is the Sports Loudmouth, 631-672-3108 is the number. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app on iOS, WWSRN, or Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. A lot of screaming all weekend long for New York sports. As everybody knows, the New York Jets pull off an unbelievable win down by 13 with two and a half minutes left of the game. And somehow, somehow, the gods gave him a win. So we're going to get into that, obviously, a little bit later in the show. Before, before we do that, Speedy, how are you doing? Well, I'm not losing my voice. I'm not a Jets fan, but I'm, I'm enjoying my Giants 2-0 as well. But as far as the Jets, I, I want to say how improbable that comeback really is. One of the last 2,229 teams facing that situation. Under two minutes, down by 13 or more points. That's how improbable it was. It was improbable. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, the Jets pull it off. Unbelievably, one of the greatest wins, <laughs> as crazy as it may sound, one of the craziest, greatest wins the Jets pulled off in the last, I would say, 20 years. Mm-hmm. It was a fantastic win. And maybe they take the momentum in to MetLife Stadium and knock off the Bengals this week, which are playing horrible football. And we'll get into that as we all know it. At 7.30, we'll be talking to former Orioles, Blue Jays, and Yankees pitcher Josh Towers. He'll be joining us again. And at 8.30, we'll be talking for the first time to Fox Charlotte Sports live host and reporter Will Kunkel. So he'll be joining us as well. So we're, we're very excited to have Will on the show. It's the first time he's been on our show. And uh, we'll get into a lot of, obviously, Charlotte Hornets basketball, you know, in the offseason. As we all know, a coach decides not to take the reins over there. A little Michael Jordan conversation because I'm sure he's interviewed Michael a couple of times, being that he is the reporter over there. So uh, we will talk to him about that. And, and obviously... Being that's North Carolina, his thoughts on the Carolina Panthers and everything like that going on as uh, the New York Giants just, uh, you know, find a way to win. That's what they've been doing. It's a it's a fun, really, this week has been a fun week for New York sports. It really uh, has. Speaking of Carolina football, I also want to give a shout-out as well. Uh, it's uh, college football, obviously, yeah. but uh, Riley Leonard, the Duke quarterback we've had on our show yeah. twice, off to a very good start this season Thank as God. the starting quarterback. Duke football, 3-0 and right now. Riley! Yeah. Could be an NFL player. Mm-hmm. I love Riley. He's been on the show twice, and the last time he was on the show, he was sitting in his bed, and we were having a great conversation with him. But Riley is a great personality. He's playing great football right now, and the Duke Blue Devils are finding a way to win. So that's a that's a great sign 
for Duke football, and we always liked Riley, mm-hmm. uh, even though yes. I never sent him the pizza, which he was very upset about. Don't worry. There's still time to work on a uh, New York-style pizza NIL deal hey. with him. <laughs> hey, who knows? Maybe he, he's a giant eventually. Yeah. You know? I, I don't know. Uh, we, we all know that they like to draft Duke quarterbacks. That's right. <laughs> that was the last time they started 3-0, and too, was, I think, Daniel Jones last season. Yeah, so uh, I'm, I'm very happy for Riley. This is his first year starting. Uh, he's been working really, really hard, and, and we had a long conversation. Uh, I think it was in February uh, with you know his growth as a quarterback and helping out some of the older players and younger players and figuring out the offense. So uh, it was very, very nice, and it's very, very nice to hear that he's succeeding right now in college. So ACC, watch out for the Blue Devils. Anyways, uh, we will get into the Jets coming back uh, from a 13-point deficit with two minutes and 45 seconds left of the game. Unbelievable comeback. The onside kick by Braden Manning, which every single Jet fan wanted to get rid of, yep. by the way. And he, he, he did one of the more improbable, you know, I guess you could say onside kicks you've ever seen. Fake one way, go to the other way, and tricked the Browns. And obviously the Jets received the ball back and, and took it down the field. And shout out to Joe Flacco, who's... Uh, really put on a put up a really good display and shows that he could still be a starting quarterback in the NFL. Three hundred yards, four touchdowns. Uh, but we'll get into that. We'll get into all of Week Two's games. There were a lot of crazy games, ending games too. Because uh, we'll get into the Raiders game with the Arizona Cardinals. I think they were up at one point seventeen nothing. 23 to 7 to midway through the fourth. So and, and somehow Arizona came back and won. And I love. I love what Kyler Murray said at the end of the game. It's really funny, but I like Kyler Murray because of his confidence, but very interesting and intriguing thing he said at the end of the game to kind of give himself, you know, a pat on the back. So uh, we will get into that. Um, Also, Jimmy G back behind the helm. And I I expected this to happen. Trey Lance just obviously, unfortunately, hurt his ankle. Uh, He is now out for the season. He just had surgery. Uh, I think he had two breaks in his ankle, which uh, was obviously fixed. And uh, he will be sitting out for the rest of the season. So it is Jimmy G's team again. So uh, the chances of them going to the – listen, this team has a chance to win. They have a more than qualified, talented team to go all the way to the Super Bowl. The NFC is weak. There's no guarantees in the NFC right now. None of those teams really stood or have st- standed out so far since week one. So uh, we will get into that. Uh, Aaron Judge, one more home run to tie Roger Maris's 61 home runs and then two to break the record in the American League. And I believe the home run champion of all time uh, because of all, all the steroid conversations. Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, obviously Barry Bonds, which he has come out and said that Barry Bonds is the home run champion. He has 73, and that is the record. But I disagree with him. I I believe he has done it legit. And even though I think steroids should be allowed in professional sports, except combat sports, boxing, and uh, obviously mixed martial arts, uh, it is legal. And if it's, if it's, I'm sorry, it's illegal. And if it's illegal, those home run champions should never be counted on the history board. So um, obviously he believes it is Barry Bonds as the home run champion. Um, the Mets clinch a playoff spot. Max Scherzer comes back, pitches a no-hitter, practically a perfect game 
all the way into the six six and a half innings. Uh, the Mets pull him they, as they as well as they should, as Buck Showalter is trying to protect his pitcher to move forward towards the playoffs. So uh, good news for the Mets. Max Scherzer is back and he's 100% healthy. So hopefully uh, they make a run. Could be the last year for Jacob DeGrom as well, as there are talks uh, that he could be leaving. Um, NBA to end one undone rule in the next CBA agreement in 2024. Well, there you go. I, I like this because I think the one and done is ridiculous. And it, it affects the, I, I, adding this after COVID just didn't make any sense. It really didn't. And I think it ruins the game. I think the game, if you want to add more teams, add more teams into the playoffs, you know, the, the playoff, uh, uh, what do they call it? The tree? The playing games. Yeah, yeah, the playing games. Give them like three games, just like baseball is doing right now. It, it makes a lot of sense. The one and done doesn't make any sense. So uh, I, I think the CBA is going to have to figure out. I also heard that the NBA might be having like some kind of tournament game in the middle of the season. Mm. That's what I heard with the new CBA rule uh, where obviously Adam uh, Silver – uh, has decided, really trying to figure out how he can have a tournament game, and whoever wins that tournament uh, gets a free ride into, I think, in the playoffs. And only the two, the two teams that have the, the two teams that make it to the finals in the semifinals, or whatever the four teams, um, those are the teams that have one or two. They've played one or two extra games in a regular uh-huh. season. So um, we will get into that a little bit later in the show. Mike Evans suspended. For the next game, after what happened, obviously, against the Packers, uh, the fighting and the craziness. Uh, so uh, we'll get into that. And we, uh, like I said, we will recap week two, as always. So let's get into the Jets. And Robert Sala really going into week two was being attacked by the press, by the fans. By everyone, including yours truly. I I attacked Robert Sala because I thought he was out of his mind. Outrageously attack the the press and the fans. You know this is New York. This is the way New York is. You knew when you took this job that this could have happened. But he handled it like a champion. He really did. Going into this game, everybody knew that if the Jets... Did not keep this game close. Robert Sala was not only going to hear it from the fans, but absolutely from the press and probably push him out and try to push him out as the head coach of this team. And going into this game against the Browns, everybody knew what the Browns were going to do. They were going to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. That's what they were going to do. And going in all the way through the third quarter and fourth quarter, they were doing everything and anything behind the line of scrimmage when they ran the ball. Nick Chubb had three touchdowns over 100 yards. Kareem Hunt, I think, if I'm not mistaken, had over 50 or 60 yards, had a chance to get a touchdown. The Jets stopped him at the two-yard line or three-yard line. They dominated the line of scrimmage all the way through the fourth quarter. The Jets could not stop the run. Quentin Williams got hurt. He has a foot problem. I I believe he will play on Sunday against the Bengals, even though the foot supposedly has kept him out of practices. Garrett Wilson got hurt. He got pulled uh, off of one drive. 
He went into the tent. They tested his back. He got slammed on his back. Came back in the game. Absolutely dominated. Why did the Jets, over the last couple of years, and we talk about the wide receivers that they've drafted, and they have bombed on a lot of these wide receivers. Absolutely bombed. And Denzel Mims is one of them because they're not playing him, and he's sitting all the way probably to the end of the season. The Jets don't want to trade him. I don't understand that, but the Jets don't want to trade him. They'd rather not play him and not trade him. But Garrett Wilson, a lot of people predicted, was the best wide receiver in this draft class. And a lot of people were back with Drake London, Alave. With, some people say Alave was the better wide receiver on the Ohio State Buckeyes. Some people liked, obviously, Williams from Alabama. He tore his ACL. He, he missed practically, uh, well, he didn't miss that much. But he, he, he played in, the, uh, I think, the semifinal game against uh, Michigan. He played in the Not national Michigan, championship Not Michigan, I'm sorry, Cincinnati. Game. Yeah, he played in the, he got hurt in the national championship That's right. against Georgia. That's right. But he played in Cincinnati, mm-hmm. did not play well against um, Gardner. But what we saw on Sunday... And we'll put Gardner on the side right now because I have a lot to say about uh, Gardner because even though I think Sauce played a, a pretty good game, there was mistakes that he made and rookie mistakes, as expected. But Gary Wilson was the player of the game for the New York Jets. When the Jets needed a catch, when the Jets needed a play, he made him. He made him. His route running is superior. It's the best route runner we've seen the Jets have. I don't even remember the last route runner the Jets had that actually can run a route and catch a ball. And I don't want to hear Santonio Moss or Braylon Edwards. These guys were not Jets. And Santonio Holmes, what do you have? A half a year that was good? Yeah, pretty much. He got a huge contract from the Jets. It didn't work. Braylon Edwards was pretty good for the Jets. But he wasn't elite What the Jets have right now and could have right now is an elite wide receiver in this league. Something they have not had, I don't even remember. There there is no. They have never had uh, uh, an elite receiver. Even with Keyshawn Johnson or Wayne Corbett, and they were great wide receivers. They weren't elite. Brandon Marshall was elite. When he was there for one of the years with the Jets, he was an elite wide receiver. But he wasn't a Jet. Eric Decker was a good player, but wasn't a Jet. This guy was drafted by the New York Jets. This guy was drafted by Joe Douglas. And he put up a, he put on a show. So did Brees Hall. When he needed to make a play in the game, he needed to find the hole. Finally, the running back that a lot of people believe was going to be offensive rookie of the year showed up in the game. 50 yards. A touchdown looked really good. Looked really good. But it was the onside kick by Mann. Braden Mann. The guy that every Jet fan was crying out after week one to release him. Get rid of him. He's a horrible punter. He's one of the worst punters in the NFL. And let me tell you something. Mann has not 
looked good since his rookie season. He hasn't been healthy. And his first game, he looked horrible against the Baltimore Ravens. He made two bad mistakes. But if it wasn't for Braden Mann's trick onside kick, the Jets would have never had a chance to win this game. Never. So all the Jet fans, all the people that were attacking this kid, and listen, he's a kid. He's 25 years old. He's still fairly young and still has a lot of football left in him. And maybe this could give him that boost and confidence that he needs to move forward in his career. He needed that. And helping the Jets win a game, a game that they should never have won, let's be honest, should have never won. To win a game like that could change the momentum of the New York Jets season. And Joe Flacco, for everybody to call him old, including yours truly, (laughs) he put on a great show. The offensive line, by the way, Max Mitchell saving the drop the way he did, pouncing on the fumble ball. Taking over for Dwayne, really font, font moving to Dwayne Brown's position and him moving to the right tackle position in his rookie season. He has been fantastic. He really has. He is the future right tackle for the New York Jets. There's no question. And when font is probably gone next year because the Jets aren't going to resign him and they have Dwayne Brown for another year and Mekhi Beckham comes back, he might not have the job because Mekhi's there. But could you trust Makai if he's going to stay healthy? Mm-hmm. So this could be a steal in the fourth round in getting Max Mitchell. So all their rookies in the last two weeks, Garner looked good in week one. Jermaine Johnson looked good in week one. Week two, Brees Hall, Garrett Wilson, Max Mitchell. The Jets youngsters are finally playing up to what their ability was when they were drafted, Speedy. Yeah, it's about it, it. It's also, I think, Garrett Wilson really showcasing all his ability in that game, too, because I think when you look at a lot of draft analysts, while they didn't always have him as the best receiver, like he was the only one that really didn't have any significant concern. And you really saw a little bit of everything in that game. Even the play he got hurt on, that was a tough catch. That was a very impressive effort to make that catch that not a lot of wide receivers can make. And Brees Hall looked good when he when he was on. Obviously, he's not going to get the boatload of the carries because that's not the offensive scheme for the Jets because Michael Carter's still there. They like to go running back at, at committee. You always see wide receivers reverse it around a lot of the time, too. So I think you're looking at a case where they all showed complete games. And Max Mitchell, you're right. I I thought he was going to be raw. I thought it was going to be kind of a redshirt year for him. I liked as an overall raw athlete. I, did, I thought he needed more time to get it going. But he has looked good so far in the first two games against the Pan- – uh, not the Panthers, against the Ravens and the Browns who have both good – not great outside rushers, but good outside rushers. Elites. Was, They're yeah. elite pass rushers. They are They are good young pass rushers that he's had to face against so far with Jason Oway on the Ravens and then Jadavian Clowney, a veteran guy who's been good when he's healthy on the Browns. So you're looking at a case where Max Mitchell's had a lot of tough tests in the pass blocking and then the run blocking even better. And like you said, good heads-up play, recover the fumble, good downfield blocking too on a lot of those outside runs and screen passes as well. And that's a good sign. As far as the onside kick, that was – 
there were only four of them recovered all season last year. With the new rules, you're not able to get a running start on special teams with the kickoffs. That's really hard to do now in today's game. And Braden Mann did a fantastic job with that. Shout out to the Jets special teams. And, of course, leave it to Amari Cooper to drop it on the onside kick. You, you can't take the Cowboys out. You can take the Cowboys off Amari Cooper, but not the Cowboys out of them. And Amari Cooper had a good game. He really did. 102 yards, a touchdown. And they lined him up at some points against Gardner. He had that touchdown against Gardner because he made a mistake uh, in the end zone. And I don't know what Gardner was thinking. You're one-on-one. Why would you expect your safety and joiner to defend Amari Cooper? Right. It made no sense. Now, he made a mistake. And I expect a rookie to make mistakes. That's what rookies do. They make mistakes. But don't point. And he didn't point any fingers. He didn't blame anybody. He took the responsibility. It was his fault. That's what you want to see with your youngsters. You want to see them take responsibility on the field and make sure they don't make that same mistake again. And Robert Soller, with a smile on his face at his press conference, he should smile. He should. Because that's a game that Jets always lose. In the last 15 years, if a game like that happened to the New York Jets, they would lose it. There was no question. You would bet on it. And as a matter of fact, the chances of the Jets coming back at one point was at 99%. That's how crazy it was coming back from a, a, a loss. And the Browns, there's no excuses for the Cleveland Browns. There's none. The coaches are out of their damn minds uh, saying that they didn't know, they didn't realize the position that the Jets were in and, and that touchdown by Corey Davis. How do you not play prevent defense knowing that you're up 13 to nothing? Does that make sense? So I, I'm thrown off right now with what the Browns said after the game. So, again, we could go back and forth on the Cleveland Browns and what the Cleveland Browns didn't do. They ran the ball very well. The Jets' defense have a lot to figure out going into week three because even though they're playing the Bengals and they're 0-2, they're due. Yeah, The Bengals are due to come out, throw 450 yards in Joe Burrow, five touchdowns, and demolish the New York Jets at MetLife Stadium. Speedy, we have a first call. Who are we yeah. speaking to? Yes, we do. Raphael and Yonkers. Raphael, what's up, bud? Hey, listen, man, I just wanted to say, yeah, you're absolutely right. The Jets did what they had to do. It's very weird. I still find it, even though it's week two, I still find it very odd that the Browns were still uh, giving the majority of their preseason games and, um, you know, job to um, Deshaun Watson, even though they knew he was going to be um, mm-hmm. suspended. So, you know, I guess the Jets, you know, dodged the bullet with that one mm-hmm. that they didn't have to see Watson. But even even though, you, you know, it, you guys tell me, is it? any hope whatsoever for the Jets. It just seems nobody's talking about them. They're just so, you know, they're written off. Robert Sala really didn't get off, uh, you know, on a good foot here in New York. His last year, you know, um, requesting uh, police um, escorts all the way from Jersey <laughs> to New York for an MSG game. Mm-hmm. You know, like he, he's acting like he, he won something. But this year, it just feels very odd. I Listen, uh, Flacco, he's a nice little solid quarterback, yes. but he's, uh, you know, he, he he's passed through... Uh, it will be nice yeah. to see. Exactly. He's perfectly fine. But again, it is like, what hope is there for us Jets fans? Are we hoping for maybe six wins? What kind of 
you know, what, what kind of growth are, are, should we be expecting? Because I'm watching, and it's just sometimes, I mean, do I even, like, sometimes I don't even bother watching them because <laughs> you guys understand that, yeah. that there's, like, that there's no oomph to it. You, you get what I'm saying? I know. Here Thank is, you guys. Really appreciate it. Absolutely, Raphael. Thank you. Thank you. Um, here's, here's my answer, and, and I, I will say this. Zach Wilson is the key to this team. He is the key. He's the driver. If Zach Wilson turns out to be the quarterback that they expected him to be when they drafted him about a year and a half ago, then absolutely. The Jets have an opportunity to win seven games this year, as well as they should. Right now, they have the Bengals. The Bengals don't know who they are as an identity. They have no idea who they are. The offensive line that they supposedly boosted up, adding Collins, he looks like an old man. That whole line looks like a bunch of, I don't know, outdrawn old guys. That's what it looks like. They got one young guy, and the rest of that line is a bunch of old fogies. That's what they are. And they they don't look good. And they're not protecting Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is getting hit by the clip. He has been sacked more than any quarterback in the first two weeks. He has. And he's made the most mistakes. For a guy that was also sacked combined with the regular season and postseason last year over 70 times. He's been hit more times than any quarterback so far in the first two games. By like 10. Yeah. By like 10. It's crazy. That offensive line that was supposed to be one of the better offensive lines in football is one of the worst right now in football. And now the Jets are going back home. They didn't look good against Lamar Jackson. Let's see if they pull it off. They beat Joe Burrow last year. And it wasn't Zach Wilson. It wasn't Joe Flacco. It was White. It was White. He pulled off one of those wins that nobody expected. Who would have thought that White was going to pull off a win like that at through over 400 yards? And, and and just came into the game, just dominated. The Mike White masterpiece. It really was. And everybody thought, hey, he's the quarterback of the future. <laughs> Trade Which, Zach Wilson now. Oh, God, please. <laughs> and now Mike White is like, uh, he's a third-string quarterback. He was like a practice squad yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah. That, I, I think, that guy. I think Zach Wilson is the answer to everything. He is going to be the answer. Either he's the quarterback or he's not. If he isn't the quarterback, Robert Sala is not going to have a job for long. Joe Douglas isn't going to have a job for long. And Woody Johnson will be selling the team even faster than anybody thinks he's going to. Right. Woody Johnson will be selling the team and create a brand new identity, new quarterback, new everything. If oh, that's the case. Create some new ivory or Johnson & Johnson soap, man. I mean, <laughs> every, time, every time I use Johnson & Johnson soap, I had a rash on my ass. Oh. You know? Every time I, I, I tried their soap. And when I was a kid, my father used to use Johnson & Johnson Powder, you know, baby yeah, powder. Uh-huh. It, I always got rashes from it. For uh-huh. some reason, maybe it's something that they put in their powder or their soap. Well, I, I, I don't know. Well, but now, it doesn't now Woody work. Johnson will have more time to focus on the It doesn't work for my better. hiney, okay? My hiney <laughs> is, is getting all those rashes from their soap and their powder. Well, now Woody okay? Johnson will have much more time to focus on that once he sells the team and actually make their products better and not available to be recalled. Well, somebody's <laughs> going to have to do it because it's not going to be me. And my, my hiney needs a... Uh, a nice, uh, nice soap for the Johnson & Johnson family. Uh, before we go to break, yeah. uh, sh- a shout-out to uh, Ben, who's hashtag Ben the Beave already. A uh, shout-out <laughs> to Bonnie GE in the comments, yes. uh, Mike Bonet, Louis Morello, and Raphael, who called the show. And, thank you. Uh, thank you for calling. Keep, keep listening, Keep Raphael. listening, guys. Everybody, keep listening. Uh, when we come back, we'll be talking to former Orioles, Blue Jay, and Yankee pitcher, our friend, he's been on the show before, funny guy, Josh Towers, here on the Sports Labouts. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loud Mouths. A little rock. I like this, Speedy. 
to Rock Rap Fusion. Run DMC. I Rock like Box. it. 631-672-3108 is the number to call. You're listening to the Sports Loudmouths. Check us out at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app on iOS, which is Apple. Search us at WWSRN, or you go to Android if you have an Android phone, and search us in your Play Store, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We have a great, great avenue of ways to read our stories, listen to our shows worldwide, uh, all the different stuff. And it's an easy app to use. It's very fan-friendly. If you're an old man and you're an old guy that doesn't know how to use apps, maybe like Josh, who's probably not an app guy, uh, you could download the app. We made it very simple and easy for all the fans to check it out. So 25,000 downloads. Thank you to all the fans that have downloaded the app. Uh, keep listening to us. As uh, as always, we like to make people laugh, and we love when we have this guy on. We're now talking to former Orioles, Blue Jays, and Yankees pitcher, Josh Towers. Josh, what's going on, man? Well, look, at you can see the sign behind me, man. Please unplug. Let's enjoy anybody's company. There's no apps on here. <laughs> just kidding. I got something. Nah, I, I'm just kidding, too. I mean, listen, I, when we when we have all these different people – how do how do I find your app? How do I find your app? And then is it one of those apps? Is it is it actually easy to use? And I say I say just download it. All you have to do is open it up, and it's right there, right in front of you. You don't have to go to a different uh, different avenue. You don't have to go to a different uh, I guess wall or any of that stuff. It's on the same wall. It's very easy to use, and it's very customly made for the older fans. So we're very happy for that. But uh, let's let's get into you. We the last. Hey, Aaron, what's yeah. what's an older fan? What's the age limit? Ah, uh, don't worry. There's the, there's this five year uh, generational please, gap. He's, he, I'm getting old. I don't too, know why you know. there's a five year generational gap already between you two. I'm older. <laughs> I'm I'm older. Am I older than he is? Josh is five years older than you, but that oh, shouldn't really? be that much of a generational gap. But okay, I, I'm an old man, man. I turned forty this year. I feel old, man. I feel wrinkly. But you know, some people say you look good for your age. I think you look, you look good, good for your age, but. You know, my limbs are hurting. I'm in the gym. Yeah, and I'm, I, you know, after the surgery, I had the same surgery as Alex did, Alex Rodriguez. Um, I had neck surgery uh, over the last uh, two years. So it, it's, you know, to recuperate injuries like that, it, it's different when you're an athlete and and then getting into a car accident and really trying to protect yourself the way I did. It's it's hard, man, but I'm happy. I'm healthy. I'm alive. I got my blood today. It's it's pretty good. So I'm healthy, ladies and gentlemen. So that's a good sign. Anyways, let's not talk about me. We have you on. And the last time we had you on the show, we had a great conversation. You told us a lot of great stories about Brian Cashman and your career with the New York Yankees. Before we get into that, how are you and your family doing from COVID-19? Yeah, uh, actually recently, like, few months ago finally got it for the first time uh it kicked my butt for a couple days like the first two days and you know it just lingers for a while luckily with the kids who got it it was just like a minor cold nothing big so i you know kind of got lucky with it i guess oh i i wasn't lucky and I, no. no i had hip surgery and then two weeks later when i couldn't walk i i, I had the delta and i could just imagine i couldn't just walk. All out of work, oh, oh my god i couldn't walk I had to go to the bathroom over and over and over again. I was hobbling to the bathroom, and I, I had a fever. I lost 30 pounds. 30 pounds. It's crazy, Josh. 30 pounds. And I lost that in about 11 days. And then I had to get the muscle back and everything. It took me about a month and a half to learn how to walk again. It was, it was horrible. I, I, I don't wish that upon anybody. But happy that you're okay. You and your family are good, and, and 
happy that we can move forward. And uh, I've been checking out your the stuff that you've been doing, your podcast and everything like that. You're doing great, man. Yeah, VEASAN's fun, man. We do. I, I have fun going to the studio over there and talking sports with the boys and when we get guests on. So we have a good time over there. And I think I backed off the Twitter a little bit of running my mouth. Uh, <laughs> take it easy on the boys in baseball. But now the VEASAN stuff's good. We have a good time. It's all about quality, not quantity. <laughs> Well, I, I mean, I guess it depends, Speedy. Uh, <laughs> you're talking about New York sports. No, your, your Twitter, I, I've I followed since the last time we've had on, yeah, we had you on your show. A lot of good baseball takes, but you're right. It, you're right. I, I was looking scrolling through throughout the day. Like they are, they are all spaced out now, but they're all good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Again, I I backed off the White Sox. I'm taking it easy. <laughs> I, I mean, the, the fans over the there. Corner. The fans over there are going crazy. I mean. Everybody right. expected the White Sox to be a playoff team. Tony Larusa yeah. couldn't stay healthy this year. Maybe it's the end of Tony Larusa. I mean, the man's like eighty something years old. I mean, he's still managing in baseball. I, I mean, it's amazing what Albert Pujols is doing right now, being that it's his last year. And 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 really, I want to get into this: the Aaron Judge thing. It, it's it's yeah. really become a huge story all over baseball. And if you look at the stats, the crazy stats, he is led offensively in almost. 10 different stats, including war right now in the major leagues. What is your thoughts on, on, on a run like this for Aaron Judge? And if the New York Yankees somehow win a World Series, is this the greatest season any players ever had in major league history? No, no, and no again. Um, <laughs> nothing against Aaron, man. This kid's had a phenomenal year. And my favorite thing about him is he turned down $230 million. I don't like the fact that he turned it down at the age he turned it down because it's hard to get. You're looking at Freddie Freeman in L.A. at the same age. What he got was pretty impressive, and, and you're going to turn down 230. So that, that kind of caught me off guard. But then he went and backed it up. And as of, I think, yesterday or today, he's leading the league in average now. So he's the triple crown leader, mm-hmm. which is probably the most impressive part. I mean, he took that home run lead in April and ran with it the whole time. So he's always been comfortable there. I don't like the fact that we're like modern day era record, not modern day or whatever the whatever the word they're using, like yeah, we're ball Barry Bond. yeah, whatever. We're trying to eighty six Barry Bonds as if he didn't hit seventy three and if he's not the legit home run guy. He's nowhere close to what Barry Bonds did. And if we're talking about the best single season of all time, I mean Bonds career average is high when Aaron Judge is doing for a season, right? So I, I don't know why we're dismissing the greatest player of all time for a good season. It's a great season. And and I hope that I hope he gets paid wherever he goes. I really do. I hope he stays in New York because it's good for the city. But I, I just – to compare it to what some other people did and say it's the greatest offensive season of all time, I just think it's ridiculous. But he wins the Triple Crown. We've only seen it since Miguel Cabrera and Ted Williams. So I think at that point you kind of hand him the MVP, even though Shea Otani is on another level of whatever he's kind of – I mean, it's just gross what he does. But I – I don't know, man. Like, I can't compare generational stats. I can't compare, like, one good season to history. I, I love what he's doing, but it's not – I mean, Delgado had 95 stakes at the All-Star game one year, you know, a couple of years back, <laughs> and he finished for, like, 150. I mean, Judge is nowhere near that, right? So, mm. it's just weird for me, those comparisons. So, I, I don't know if you saw this stat. I I think there was something where Barry Bonds, they said, had 17 intentional walks, which is what Aaron Judge has had this season. It's like a 14-game stretch or something like that. <laughs> yeah. So, well, Mike we – we weren't supposed to pitch to him. I mean, arrogantly, you kind of want to face him, right? And, and then you're down four to one. So you say, yeah, fine, I'll face him. But, uh, yeah, we were, there's a couple of guys over the history of the game we weren't allowed to pitch to. I remember, like, Vladimir Guerrero, we, we were told you can throw the ball between the two dugouts, but you weren't allowed to throw it over <laughs> home plate. That was our scouting report. Chipper Jones, you were never allowed to throw him a fastball or a first-pitch fastball for sure, but never allowed to throw him a fastball, which I thought was weird. And uh, and Barry Bonds, we just weren't supposed to pitch to him, but of course we did. Vladimir Guerrero, you can't even you can, you can't even throw it over the plate in the dirt. He'll still single that into left field. Oh, listen, 
Listen, my first career shutout, did I tell you the story? He was coming up fourth in the ninth inning. And I was like, just go one, two, three. I don't want to face Vladdy. You're like, you shut out. With two outs, it's like Lee Stevens, I think, hits a bloop single to left field, and here comes Vladdy. And I was like, oh, Lord have mercy. And all I got is a scattering report in my head, plastic, you know, the, the previous three at bats. I threw a ball that I feel like, where's my head? I feel like it was like above his head, like right here. I was trying to go high, and he hit a bomb to left field, and I just, like, my head just sank. <laughs> Hit the track and bounced over for a ground rule double. And I got <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, believe that he was able to get to it. So basically, uh, yeah, you can't you can't throw it in the dirt. You can't throw it up there to Vladimir Guerrero. In terms of Miguel Cabrera, who Errol mentioned earlier with the triple crowd, you also yeah. can't intentionally try to intentionally walk him because he'll hit that. So that's another Oriole feat. We're good for some stuff, man. Yeah. So my yeah. question is: I know you played with uh with the Yankees. You played with CC Sabathia for a year uh, over there, and he had some comments about Aaron Judge. He was still saying about Otani being the MVP. Are you surprised he he kind of not? criticized but kind of shied away from like defending his teammate in this kind of heated debate i don't think people realize obviously we realize how hard it is uh, like a season that aaron judge is having right like the yankees offensive leads me are just terrible they whether the early success was based on pitching every starter was going seven innings and it set the tone for the bullpen and now we see where they're not doing that and the bullpen's getting overworked right and aaron judge has been the one consistent so it's a beautiful season when I don't have to pitch to him, why, like, why do I, like, again, I'm talking about Barry Bonds. Why do I, why am I pitching Aaron Judge when I got John Collins Stan and Josh Donaldson and Rizzo who's hitting 210 or whatever? Why would I, like, why do I need to face this guy? But again, we do. Um, I think pitchers respect it a little bit more because I think we understand how hard it is. Like, you take your average baseball player and they can't pitch, it's just not that easy. And so with the work that it goes into play every five days on the mound or whatever he's doing six days, and 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 then you're going to mix in super sore, rebuilding your body, your strength, your bullpen days, all the different stuff that we do, the cardio, all the stuff, and you're going to 86 that in essence, and you're going to become a hitter every day, including the day you pitch, and then you're going to put up MVP stats too, right? So it's it's hard to really compare to the average person um, because we all play two positions in Little League, so we all think it's not a big deal. But that at this elite level that the Major League Baseball is – and Shohei Otani is one of what the top five elite pitchers in our game, mm-hmm. and then he's also one of the top five elite hitters of the game. And he's doing both. I think it's it's not comparable, so it's tough. But I think at this point, like I've been Shohei Otani guy for an MVP all season. But at this point, I I think you know Aaron Judge has finished so strong, and if he wins the triple crown, I just it goes without saying, right? Mm. We are talking to former Orioles, Blue Jays, and Yankee Josh Towers, friend of the show, funny guy, great stories as always. Um, and, and we're talking about Aaron Judge and what Aaron Judge has done this year. Shea Otani, he's been fantastic. But we, we have to look at both those teams. The Angels are not making the playoffs. This, you have two of the best players in baseball, and Mike Trout and Shea Otani, on the same team. And somehow this team can't find a way. And, and in a division that's definitely winnable. That's not, it's not what you call a, a dominant division. It really isn't. It really the is. The Astros are by far the best team in baseball. I, I don't think that's even the game. I understand that, and and maybe so. Maybe they're a wild card team. I think the Angels with yeah. the, with the talent that they have right now, they they should be in the playoffs. And and to me, that uh, that speaks words for what this team is when it comes to leadership. Is Mike Trout a leader? Is he just a quiet guy in the locker room? Is, is Shea Otani obviously he's. Uh, he doesn't talk a lot of English. Maybe he's oh, yeah. not. He's not a. He's not a leader. You know. So so they don't have the leadership. We all know who leads with the Yankees. But by well, there's so much more than that, right? Like yeah. I do need leadership. I need yes. these veteran guys to step up and put me in my place. I need 
somebody to make sacrifice. There's a lot of things mm-hmm. that go on right successfully, right? And then mm-hmm. you have to have a lot of players that intervene throughout the course of the year because we play 162 plus 45 in spring training. And there's a lot of things that happen. It has to be built on pitching and defense. Mm-hmm. And the Angels minor league system has not been good. They haven't mm-hmm. developed anything. You got the two best players, questionably now, two of the top three best players in the game on your team. But offense doesn't win baseball games for 162 games. Pitching and defense does, and they're built to not do any of that. I mean, again, last year's draft, they took 20 pitchers in 20 rounds as if that was going to change their minor league system. It was like the dumbest thing you can do, and it's completely disrespectful to the major league team because what if you needed a couple other pieces mixed in somewhere and you don't go down and address your minor league pitching coordinator and your director of player development and all the other coaches you have? Like, there's a there's a system flaw in that organization, and it starts from the bottom, and they are not turning out anything in the big leagues. And then you get Detmers, who shouldn't have been in the big leagues last year or this year. They rushed him to the big leagues, and he's actually done a respectful job. But those are the guys you're basing on. Then you're going to go give Noah Syndergaard $25 million if he's going to do something. Two years MIA, right? We haven't seen the kid. And you also have Sandoval, who's really good. You have Shohei, who's really good. And you still can't win? Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it, there's a whole system flaw with that organization, and it's not the players, in my opinion. So looking at the team right now as a whole, in the offseason – do you trade Mike Trout? Do you trade Shea Otani to try to rebuild that farm system that you don't have? I mean, how do you like your fan base? Do you like what you draw? There's going to be a depletion in fans, man. I mean, it's a great stadium, and we come in every direction from, from, from L.A. and that whole surrounding Anaheim area. Like, you pull from everywhere. It's awesome, but – when you go to those games, like I've been to a game recently, when you go to those games, the excitement to watch Shohei Otani, it trumps Mike Trout tenfold. It's not even close with, with the fans. So, like, they got to sit down with Shohei now and be like, listen, what is the chances that we're going to sign you and give you a half a billion dollars, whatever it is? Like, what are the chances? Let's start working this deal out now. Shohei wants to win. Like, the, the Japanese guys, it's not about money. It's not about clout. Like, these guys really want to win. He thought he chose the right place. And then Mike Trout's the other thing, like, First off, like I got to take on a four hundred something million dollar contract, and you haven't played a full season in a few years, and I don't know your health, right? So there's a lot of ask with that. You're going to get way more in return for Shohei Otani, and I think Shohei would want out before Mike would want out for mm-hmm. sure. Um, but I, I can't like we print money in Anaheim, right? I can't mm-hmm. let either one of them go. I can't. Mm-hmm. See, the Angels will have fans. They'll just have to clone the rally monkey, and then that'll be their entire fan base, <laughs> right? Bring Troy Percival back. We're good to oh, go, man. man. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, like Shohei Otani is a draw for the fans. As players, we would get on the top step and wait for that to come on the screen, and we'd get super excited, which also meant we were probably about to lose, but it was still awesome. Yeah, I say that. Bring the rally monkey back. Sure. <laughs> Either that or maybe they could move him to move him into your hometown of, in Vegas. Vegas could use a baseball that team. That might be a good idea. Yeah. That might happen soon. You got plenty of space, man. Yeah. <laughs> so actually, my question is about uh, one, of your other former t- one of your former teams that's having another fun season, the Baltimore Orioles. What is What do you thought of her- their success? so far and the really the baseball culture over there in Baltimore even if they don't make the playoffs this season yeah they're not going to now I think at this point they're five and a half out and and it was never expected right and the, no. so the trading of Trey Mancini and obviously Lopez that was a big deal and, and I think you you get rid of those guys because they're still trying to build for the future I don't think the future is even next year in their vision I think it was two years away and so you get rid of those two guys but the unexpected season that they had at that point I was like well maybe you keep those two guys like talk about a veteran presence in a locker room a guy fought cancer and beat it like they rally around that man he's a baltimore legend i 
I think if they kept him, they probably would have made a postseason, my opinion. It's really good. Gunnar Henderson, like these guys are, are obviously really good. Allie Rushman, what he does, like you throw a strike and he starts giving you this behind the plate and it makes you feel good about yourself on the mound. It's changed the game. It shows you, and the Phillies did it a couple of years ago, it shows you how hard it is to finish a baseball season, right? Mm-hmm. Any one of us, we're super excited to get back to spring training. We're super excited to start a season. Listen, we show up to that, Speedy, that picture behind you that we're looking at, City mm-hmm. Field, we get you know, super excited. <laughs> And then all of a sudden it goes cold, hot, hot, hot. We get tired, fatigued, travel, and we don't know how to finish the season. And when you're young, you have no idea. You don't know when to back off. You don't know how to do anything. They're so young and lost the veteran presence that we're showing, or they're showing, sorry, the the fatigue aspect now. Like these games that they were winning, they're no longer winning in September. They started to lose late in August. And so I think when they go back to the drawing board, they're pleased with this season. But I think that they had it in their hands and let it go, personally. They were like two out at one point. No, they were in at one point. They were in at one they point. Were. The they Rays were. were out of it. The Rays were out of the playoff and, spot until they Toronto got hot was, in August. And so it goes that, right? Toronto was scuffling, right? So they were – I think Toronto was on the, the cusp for a minute. But then look what they got. They got Gosman, right? And they got Barrios, right? And they have Manoa, who's been great. But they have veteran guys leading these young guys. Uh, Yusei Kikuchi is now in the pen, but still a veteran president. Like, they had a lot of veteran guys that, like, know how to finish. And so we're seeing the separation in September. It's a pretty big deal, man. And, and so, again, being an Oriole fan, having them brought me in the game, like, it was, I was happy to see it. But I still have a lot of question marks, man, because they have this massive amount of talent, and they're all coming right now. And so what's the long-term plan? Because everybody's going to have to get paid at the same time. Mm. And that's that's the big problem right now with huge. Yeah, with with the way baseball is working and the new CBA rules. And and that's why Aaron Judge, a lot of people think could maybe not be a Yankee in the offseason because of the money he's going to be expecting. And the, and the Yankees aren't going to give him more than seven years. We've seen that. He's 31 years old. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. How much can you really give him? Yeah. That's why that's why I thought turning out 230 was crazy. Like he's going to get the same contract. Well, I think a team like San Francisco is going to overpay him. They're going to they're going to give him somewhere between forty five and fifty million a year, especially what he's having this year. Why San Francisco? Because it seems like that's you know being that it's his hometown. This is the team that he rooted for when he was a kid. I, I think San Francisco opened up a lot of salary room for him in the off season. I've heard. Uh, through the grapevine, that they're going to make a huge push for him. Even the Red Sox, I heard, is going to make a huge push for him. Uh, the question is, are the Yankees going to let those two teams outbid him for their player? That's the question. And it's never happened before. The Yankees have, besides Robertson Cano, and everybody brings up Robertson Cano, and they let, uh, because that was all the Jay-Z thing, the whole Rockefeller thing. Jay-Z was not going to let the Yankees get the contract that they wanted. They offered him 190. Seattle offered him 220. He took the 220. I think that if Jay-Z wasn't involved with that, I believe Robinson Cano would have been a Yankee. With this, I think... In hindsight, too, I think he actually made less than than 190 in hindsight after everything that happened. I think so, too. Um, Yes. Brian Cashman, I mean, listen, everybody has a plan. We have a budget. We have people in the offices, team presidents, whatever. People are just... uh, Money's their thing, right? And we, We have to stick to things, and sometimes we can bend the rules a little bit. Um, he offered him what he can offer him and what he, and listen, this season does nothing to Brian Cashman and the Yankees to say Aaron judge is a pretty good, they know he's a pretty good player. He was a pretty good player before this. This does nothing to like, we already knew we had this guy. We already knew this, right? So we offered him what we thought was fair for what we can do. And so they're not going to go all of a sudden go, all right, I'll give you two seventy, I'll give you 300. That's not going to happen. I'll tell you what might happen again, speedy, the picture behind your head, that dude will fork out some money over there at city field, right? Mm. That dude will pay. Steve Cohen's not afraid to play. I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up across the street. Mm. That would be quite a record setting paywall. If they somehow pull that off. 
be sellout, sell out every day. Oh, hundred percent. But I don't know if the Yankees are going to allow that. Right. I, I don't. Well, I don't you, I guess you, you might have to pay Jacob Degrom too, or let him go. Right, pick and poison. Yeah, it might be a weird like hypothetical swap. <laughs> we've people, heard we've heard Jacob Degrom yeah. like earlier this season linked to the Yankees if the Mets let him go. No, so. I also heard that Jacob Degrom doesn't want to play in New York anymore. I've heard that Atlanta is a place that his family, his wife, would like to move to. That was the story, and and here's another story. Why wouldn't Houston, being that they're the team that always brings in these veteran you know, pitchers, top pitchers, a.k.a. Garrett Cole, they made a trade for him. They brought in Verlander. Why wouldn't they make a move? They have a great form well, system, you know? It's, 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 a, it's uncomparable, right? Garrett Cole was in Pittsburgh. He really hadn't got paid yet. He wasn't yes. making any money yet, right? right? So the Yankees gave him his contract of $400 million. Right. Davey was making pretty good money, but it was an easy pickup for them because people were nervous about him and where he was in his career, right? So – you're talking about bringing in Jacob DeGrom and you're going to have to pay him. You just paid Scherzer 40 million or whatever you max 45 million. I don't know what you yeah. gave him. That just set the tone for the greatest player in our game. And what, what are you going to give 50 million? Like no one who can afford that. Yeah. It's going right? to be. So, like, Houston's not going to, they're not, they're, they're again, that's why I tell you Houston's the best team in baseball. Their lineup one to nine is loaded, very consistent. And their pitching staff is the most consistent also with playoff experience. And they're very, very young. Like, they don't have to go get a guy like him. And then that kid they just brought up that mimics Justin Verlander's delivery to a team. Yeah, Brown, yeah. legit, too. Mm-hmm. Right. And they do a great job of developing, right? So I don't think that's in play for them. Um, Atlanta does need some pitching. But, again, who's willing to pay the money? Mm. Yeah, I think both those organizations, too. They haven't made, like, the huge, huge splashes where it comes to, like, these massive contracts. The Braves have done a brilliant job with, the with like, getting the player, paying the players young and making it work for team yeah. control, too. And, like, the Astros, like you were mentioning, too, Garrett Cole was a trade. Justin Verlander was a trade trying to rebirth them type thing. So, yeah, I could see that. So my question is, my question is more when it comes to Aaron Judge's overall value – like the lengthwise and the overall money. Like you said, now you don't think he's going to get the massive raise. Like you thought, like a lot of people think get the 300 million. What about years wise? Can you see him still getting a larger contract? Like the 10 year deal he wants, or you think it'll be capped out something around like five or six? No. Cause we got, again, we got to go look at Albert pools. We got to look at Miguel Cabrera. We have to look at ages, right? I mean, the only one who's really hit in our game past 40 is Nelson Cruz. Hmm. So it, it's tough. Cause you're comparing them again. That's like, I'm getting paid on what I did in the past, but I'm also getting paid off of or the lack thereof of what other people did in, in these comparison binders that my agents show up with. And if he's 31, he, I don't know if he starts the season at 32. I mean, we're looking at eight year max and that's being very generous. I think we're looking at more of a seven year deal. Like again, like Freddie Freeman, I forgot who else got it. I think we're looking more in that era. And so what, like, again, now 40 million at, at seven years. I mean, it's like, Oh, it's, it's, that's a tough pill to swallow. Look at Mike Trout. Again, he has massive contract. He's still an, an amazing player, but he can't stay healthy. And I got to factor that in as well. Like there's so many question marks and that's why I don't understand what Paige Old and Aaron were doing in the off season. I hope it works out. I like to see everybody get paid, man. I'm a big fan of that, but I hope they know what they're doing because they turned down like annual salary and years wise, they turned down a very good deal. But again, Look what Aaron did. He went and backed it up. So maybe somebody falls for it. Well, Aaron's right now 30 years old. In April of next year, he'll be 31. So next year, he'll be 31 years old. Uh, so maybe you sign him seven years. I think that's what the Yankees – maybe they they raise the salary up for the first five years and give him $45 million a year uh, to make him happy. I, I don't know what – uh, what they're going to do, but this is a big year, a triple crown. If he wins the yeah. triple crown and he wins, he breaks the home run record. And I know you said Barry Bonds broke the record, but everybody's going to look at, you know, the steroid era. I think I broke it too. Oh, hundred percent. And, and I, I, I've always said this and I'll say it again. Speedy will tell you for the last 
three years, four years, when I hear steroids, I think steroids should be allowed in professional sports. Because Listen, I played in the era. I mean, I, 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 I think it should. I think it should because it heals you quicker and it keeps those guys on the field. The only sport that I think that sports that it should not be allowed is combat sports, boxing, MMA, because you can kill somebody doing that. But every other sport, if you want to do steroids, you want to mess up your body, that's your decision. That's it. It didn't make Barry Bonds see the ball more. Maybe it gave him a little more power. Does anybody think Barry Bonds wouldn't have been one of the greatest players of all time? He was the greatest player of all time. 400 home runs, 400 stolen bases before he even went to San Francisco. Before, right. Listen, yeah. steroids, don't, they don't, like like you said, maybe keep you a little healthier during the season, maybe make you feel a little stronger, whatever. Listen, I gave up home runs to Sammy Sosa when he was an Oriole, man, in Toronto. I hung a slider that just spins, and he hit in the second deck, and he was probably the worst hitter in the game, right? His cork bats and steroids had nothing to do with why he hit a home run. <laughs> he had Dante Pichette, and he flew out to left field and thought he hit it 10 rows deep and forgot he wasn't in Colorado, right? <laughs> like, if you make mistakes, they're going to hit bombs. I don't care who they are. Steroids didn't do anything to help these guys, like, get better. Like, they didn't, you know, they didn't take the ball better. They didn't see the ball better. They didn't. If I made a good pitch, it didn't matter what you took. I didn't like, I could care less about it. That's why I don't think, I think it's kind of foolish in, in our game. Like it doesn't do anything like to really jeopardize anything or change the stats or I, I don't know, man, I'm going to take it. I don't care. I agree with you in combat sports though. Mm. Like I mean, you're, you're talking about punching somebody in the face. Uh, yeah, you can rearrange. You could kill somebody. You, you could yeah. absolutely kill somebody, and I think steroids yeah. should not be allowed in that. But it, in any it's of no this, harder either, by the way. No, and I was also. Guys, they're throwing 105 now, and they can't take anything. I'm also a pure. Uh, you know, I've been pushing that the college players should make money. I've been doing that for I years. Like that. I've I've been pushing it for years, and now all of a sudden they're starting to do that, and and everybody says you've been saying this for years, Errol, and I and I think I think it's fair. You coaches. Yeah. These schools are – I'll explain why. and I know you're probably questioning it. Uh, here, here's, what, here's why I think college sports should allow these players to get paid. These coaches are making millions and millions of dollars, okay? They're making millions off of, you know, obviously recruiting you, bringing you to the team. These guys, especially in football, these guys are playing what? Two years, and then they're going into the NFL draft. They can't even fill it, finish their, their college education. And if they want to go back to college, they got to pay out of their own pocket. That's one. You're giving them a full scholarship. If they don't stay there, they don't stay there. They cannot finish the college scholarship uh, with that scholarship that they they were offered when they were there. That's one. Number two, when you're bringing them in, you're you're necessarily trying to get them into a ball game, like in college football. If you play in a ball game. That school is making between twenty and thirty million dollars off that ball game. Where's that money going? Where's that going? That money going? Is it going into I don't know the school? It's going on. Let's go to two hundred fifty thousand dollars Cooper Manning trips or whatever his name is. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. That's where it's going, right? Yeah, I mean, look, but... look at the upkeep on all this stuff. Look what Jackson State's doing, right? I mean, look at these clubhouses. Yeah. Look at the I, I, I listen. I feel what you're saying on one side, but on the other side, like how many people out there have student loan debt that they went to college for, mm -hmm. right? And they had to apply to get in, and it was a, it was a hassle. Maybe they didn't get in their favorite school, and then next thing you know, you're paying forty, fifty, seventy thousand dollars to to go to school for a year, and you got this massive. And like, so what's in it for them, right? Well, they they, they spend the money to still have to go to football games <laughs> and, and buy all the stuff that's making all. Like, what's in it for them, right? So yeah. so I'm giving you a scholarship to come play a sport. You have no with an opportunity to to go to professional football or baseball, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. I just, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think paying athletes at a young age, I, I think, I don't think paying 
I think baseball has a great thing when you have to be six years into year before you hit free agency. I think you have to prove yourself, right? You have to put some longevity in and show me a little character about who you are and consistency about who you are as a person. I think that, that that's a big factor. You start giving these kids massive amount of money, and we're going to watch it with the NIL bills. You start giving these kids massive amount of money, and they're going to go left and right on you, man. You're going to have – I mean, they're going to no-show you. Like, it's, it's – I, I don't know, man. Like, everybody's different, but I think it's – I think it's an opening up a, a, a door you don't want to mess with, man, personally. Mm. I feel what you're saying about paying these coaches, yeah. right? But somebody's got to coach them. It's not like high school where you don't get paid to coach. You go to class, be a teacher, and then you go out and um, offer your time because you love the sport or you love the kids. Like, like this is a full-time job. It's a commitment. There's no sleep, right? These coaches live at these stadiums. There's a lot that factors in. So you got to pay somebody. The school's got to make money for the upkeep. I don't know, man. I, it's it's, it's going to always be this conversation, right? Until yeah. it happens and until we learn from it. See, see, here's here's where the money goes for if you're if you're Notre Dame, it goes to paying smaller schools just to have them lose. <laughs> Cincinnati and Marshall are thriving right now. You and LV goes there and gets beat by 88 points, man. Like, come on here, what's going on? Don't worry. See, now what you and LV has to do is they just have to take oh, a take man. a long term deal from Notre Dame, pay, play them in 2029. That'll be the program to get. That'll be the game to get the program back on track. Or Listen, isn't, again, isn't what Deion Sanders doing over there in Jackson State? A yeah, thing? Like, imagine we get that over here at UNLV being at Allegiant Stadium and that's where they're playing now. Like mm. we can actually turn this school into a powerhouse with the right person coming oh, in. Absolutely. And that, and that's the thing when it comes to college sports, you bring in the right person, you bring in the right name. Brian Kelly goes all the way to LSU. <laughs> Look what he's doing over there. He's screwing up that whole college program. And, and, and tell me that like that couldn't happen that quick, like that quick in a tenure where LSU was a massive powerhouse in college football for a long time. Like you can fall off the map that fast. They bring I mean, in. They, they, it really is. Yeah, they bring in a coach that they think is going to be better than the coach that brought him a national championship, and he he looks like he's a complete bust. And look what's going on in Notre Dame over there, over there right now. I mean, they bring in a guy, take it over over there, and a guy can't win a ball game close to 10 or 12 points from the score from what they had last year. They're horrible. These two teams, LSU, they, they might as well flip-flop the coaches. And and obviously Brian Kelly over there uh, was so coaching. So it, back backtrack yeah. to your earlier yeah, point. Absolutely. The cool thing about Notre Dame is, yeah. is they graduate like ninety five percent of their football players. Yes, they do. Which I think it's pretty impressive. Oh, hundred percent. And I, yeah. you know, it's so funny. I um, uh, who's the guy that had a fake girlfriend? Um, Monte Teo. Monte Teo. I was watching that. Uh, Wait, the real on... one or the fake one? <laughs> Both. <laughs> It, it was it's it's actually a re- if if anybody has not checked out the Matt Teo um, Netflix story, I feel bad for Matt Teo. I really do. It, it really it's sad. It's sad what happened to his career. He never developed who he could have been as an NFL player because of what happened, because of the trickery and what that person did to him. So uh, it is a sad story. And if you actually had to have the time to check it out. It's a great documentary, and it's sad. It really is to watch somebody. You know, could he just not let it go? Could he not? Did fans just wear him out about it? What was it? I think it was that uh, the fact that he was supposed to be drafted in the first round. This guy was a top ten talent. Yeah. He was thought of as a one of the few defensive players to be up for Heisman's game breaking linebacker yeah. of all time. Some people thought, and. He was drafted in the second round. He fell all the way to the second round because of what happened. He was never the same. Mentally, never the same. He talked to therapists. He taught, he, he, he tried to be hypnotized. It, it just it ruined everything that he was as a college player. Now, dominant force. One of the best linebackers we saw in college history at one point. So it, it's just a sad story. It really is. And, 
And that that's that's what's professional sports. I think people forget mentally. If your your head's not in it, you, you're never going to you're never going to be what you thought you were going to be as a high school player. You know, you're a prof- you are a professional athlete. You you are you are probably the best of the best in your you know in your high school. You were in your division, and then when you went to AAA and AA, you were one of the best relief pitchers in AAA and AA. You have to be the best of the best to get into the high higher rankings. And and this be, guy was the best. You got to be, be cocky and arrogant. Is what you got. hundred percent. There's a lot of that, right? You're right, man. If you get kind of passive and, and, and mentally, it's it's all mental, man. It's not like we're all physically at a certain point. We're all the same, right? A hundred percent. Yeah, it's the mental side of the game that really takes you and propels you. And, and you have to be willing to check out at times. You got to be willing to shut stuff off. Jared Jeter always said the best. He's like, you, we play such a selfish game, right? And and there's so many sacrifices. What We have family, friends, whatever the case may be. Like the, the people you travel with, your teammates become your family. But – when you have something distracting you like that, I told you guys, you hear every fan ever. You can hear the dude 10 rows deep here and talking smack to you. But when you're doing good and you're just mentally in the right place, you don't hear anything. Like, I don't even know there's people in the stands when I'm going well, right? Mm. And so you have to learn to shut all of this off mentally. And it's that, that becomes the hardest part. And I think that's why we get so cocky and we get so arrogant. Because when you have to back up a little shit talking, when you have to back up, you know, mannerisms on the mound or in the plate, like everything else goes away because it's the challenge accepted of what you're trying to do. And so I've always told you guys, like you never, like you never see an arrogant athlete unsuccessful. Like we have too much to Mm. like pride in it, man. And I think more guys should be like, there's a fine line between disrespecting you and being arrogant and cocky in myself. But there's, there's something about it that it, it keeps you present in the moment. Interesting. Well, Brian Kelly is also arrogant, and, he, and he's still hated by all his players. <laughs> well, you know, it's like Buck Walter, man. Like, I want the camera on me all the time, and sometimes I need to be about that guy. Well, Buck Walter, if he's slightly angry, is that that's like a calm to a normal person. <laughs> Especially now that the Mets officially have broken the hit by pitch record because they, they, they were hit, they had two players hit today. So finally, the record is theirs. Yes, 106 times they've been hit by a pitch this year, and Mark Canna has the single season one right now 21 times why don't they ever just say thank you why, why don't they ever cry about it just say thank you got on base man that was your goal when you went up to the plate was to get on base say thank you not luckily luckily canada has actually hasn't had any injury issues from it the only time he's missed time this year is because he had covid and that was it well he's like did you see the game on Sunday Night Baseball where they mic'd him up when he's playing left field? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I turned into the biggest uh, – how do they say to say his name? Because he was way different the way we say it. He just lets us say it, Connor. But, uh, dude, I became a massive fan of this kid. Like, overnight, because of that game, I love this guy now. <laughs> yeah, but Buck Walter will, will still never live it down. No matter how many times a player will get hit by a pitch, that'll be his fuse. Well, he'll never live down that he – He's not a very good coach in the postseason as well. Oh, he's horrible. Oh, yeah. As a Mets fan, I really hope that changes, but I am definitely <laughs> worried. Okay, I am definitely really? – I'm worried also <laughs> for the fact that they really lack Listen, lefties on that got, team. You got two hopes, brother. You got Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer, right? You got two solid hopes That's to hang it. your hat on. That's all they have. Yes, and they have two lefties and a very analytical game I wouldn't of the tr- entire team. I wouldn't trust that lineup. I'll tell you that right now. When it comes to uh, big games, uh, Francisco Lindor – uh, he is not what you call a big time player in the playoffs. He really is. And, no, they're and, built on pitching, man. Yeah. Let's be honest. And, they, and, and they have depth. And and I hope if they're going to use some of these starters in the postseason mm-hmm. in, in the bullpen, they start doing it now. Hey, what'd you think of my boy Jose Buto when he got called up? 
He looks like a nice player, man. Hey, he's legit. He looks That's like a nice player. player. He he yeah. really does. And hey, you know what it you know what it is with pitching and 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 players that we see get called up. Some of these guys just don't develop right. Maybe it's because of the farm system. Maybe because the Yankees yeah. they have been known to not really develop pitchers. It, look at Andy Pettit was the really the last pitcher that I can honestly say developed as a starting pitcher in the Yankees farm system and achieved all the goals that they expected him to do. I, I mean, when was the last starting pitcher the Yankees called up that right, but achieved? They're, they're, they're always in contention, right? Yeah. They're always, they always, they always are, have yeah. a chance to make the postseason every year. And so what happens is is they, they go and get people that they need and then they know what they have. They've always developed. I mean, they're, 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 their minor league system is one of the best. Oh, yeah, 100%. They call him a kid uh, and then they throw him in the bullpen and he's been starting all year. Right. And then randomly a month later, they, they give him a, a, a nice start on a Sunday where whatever. And then he's not prepared to start and he gets rocked. And then they're like, ah, send him down, call him back up. And so all the fluidity of what I've done, what I've earned, that right to the big leagues from what I've been doing, I kind of get taken out of that. And now I'm trying to impress you, but I'm not used to doing what I'm doing. And then you have me going all in these different, and then I don't ever get to show what I want to show or who I really am. Yeah. Right. And then I've got, I've got to run out of time or I get sent back down or whatever the case may be. And, I just think that it's hard because they don't necessarily like, all right, we're going to take one of these kids and he's going to be our fifth starter this year. We're going to let him go, let him develop. Like, I mean, Phil Hughes, they did the same thing with Phil. Mm -hmm. He was a massive starter, put him in the pen for a year or two, put him back in a starter. And it's just, it doesn't work that way. And it did a little bit better with him, Phil, because they let him relieve for the whole year, let him be our eighth inning guy. And then, you know, let him redevelop to go back in the starting rotation. But it's, it's, it's different than a lot of other organizations where, people will call guys up and just let them develop as that person. The Yankees don't have time to do that because they're always winning. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of guys that are even in their bullpen now that were thought of to be a yeah. starter. So by the way, we are talking to former Orioles, Blue Jays and Yankees pitcher, Josh Towers. So every, everybody that doesn't know, and they're listening to us, they're driving home or driving uh, their trailers or wherever the hell they are. <laughs> we are talking to Josh Towers, ex uh, New York Yankee, Oriole and Blue Jay uh, fan of the show, friend of the show and uh, a good, good personality, great storyteller. And uh, as everybody knows, but uh, yeah, it, it's baseball is, it's growing. I just don't like these. Now they're changing the rules. I, I it doesn't help the game. It, it really doesn't. I, I think the game is good where it is. And for the changing, the shifting thing, I understand. I, I, I've said it when you were on the last time. I think shifting should be taken out. I, I think it's ruined the game. And I think that when next year, it, when it actually gets taken out, I think we're going to see more offense. And then we don't see cork balls. We don't see... Uh, you know, different seam balls that pitchers can't grab. You're hearing, you know, the Asian pitcher saying, I can't grab the balls. I mean, what's his name again on the Yankees a couple of years ago? He, Tanaka. Yeah. Tanaka said, I can't yeah. grab the seam. I, I don't I don't even know what I'm throwing half the time because I can't grab the seam. Uh, Tanaka meant I'm not getting eight inches off the plate like I did in Japan. My buddy played with him in Japan. He goes, Josh, you've never seen a strike zone this big in your life. He goes, if it played 17 inches, it was like 28 to him. He goes, it was awesome. <laughs> I mean, it was 24 and he came over here. So you tell me that they didn't help him get paid over here. Yeah, he was still pretty good. Don't get me wrong. I, I was a big fan of watching him as well. Um, and that goes back to the steroid era, right? Like, so we can't compare generational stats. So we're going to throw Barry Bonds out because we're assuming he took steroids and approved. So we don't want to give him credit for what he did, but we were going to give judge credit for what he did because judge hasn't ever been associated with, with steroids. It's the same thing with all these rules where every year we're playing under different rules and different things that like I didn't have to deal with. Or 10 years ago, they didn't have to deal with 50 years ago. They definitely have to deal with it. Now you do five years ago, this year, three, everything changes all the time. There's no consistency in our game. So not only can we not compare generational stats, 
we can't pay or compare today's stats to yesterday's stats. It's just insane, man. Like at some point our game was built pretty good and we should probably leave it alone and just accept that guys are developing and, and finding other ways to be successful. Like again, the whole shift thing, does it look stupid? It looks stupid, but I'm also giving you the entire other side of the field to get a base hit or a double or whatever. And you're, you're, you're like Joey Gallo, you're crying about it and you don't want to make that adjustment. So you'd rather sit here and cry and complain about the shift. And that's what's going to cause us to get rid of it is people complained enough. So they will uh, feel bad for you. I'm going to get rid of the shift. Mm. There's not going to be more offense next year in baseball, by the way, because we're adding a shot clock. And when you add a shot clock where I rush a hitter, where I got to have everything due in 15 seconds, hitters have to hurry up and get in the box. And it's very, very bad for them. And so there's not going to be more offense. You're going to put guys back in a position where my range of motion left to right is going to become more for my middle infielders instead of all trapped on one side towards like one step stop. These guys' range is going to get better. Double plays will be a lot more because I'm finally back in position and pitchers are going to work faster. Offense is going to go down next year. Major League Baseball is going to be shocked. Are you worried about that for the pitchers though too? Because I said pitch clock, no. a lot of times they rush the delivery. You're not worried about that? No, it's not the delivery. It's, it's Am I putting in enough work in – outside of game time to where 15 seconds is a massive amount of time for me to understand everything that I need to know, everything that I'm going to do to you, what I throw to you last at bat, what I saw you like, am I able to process all this in 15 seconds? And when you put the work in again, mentally, when you put the work in uh, 15 seconds is a long time. It really is. The guys who take 30 seconds, they usually don't last very long, right? You're given too much time to hit or to reprocess and rethink, reset, um, rush them, rush them. Make them rush, make them uncomfortable, and that's what's going to happen. So the guys who 15 seconds is too fast for, they just won't be in the big leagues. Hmm. Josh, before we let you go, yeah. uh, how's your son doing, man? I, I know he's uh, the last time uh, we were talking about him. I know, man. Uh, the shoulder's been coming along beautifully. Um, healing a lot better than we thought, and he was getting excited. But this week we got awful news. He had tore his patella tendon a couple years wow. ago. Yeah, and so uh, I'm not a doctor, but something about bone growing on the outside, and there's another mini tear in the patella. So, uh, Sorry to hear that. Damn. Terrible, terrible news. So I feel bad for him. Um, we'll see, man. How old is he? He's 19. Oh, he's still young. Yeah, I mean, mentally, he's a, he's, he's, he's a dope-ass kid, right? He's, yeah. he's, he's top-notch mentally. So, again, if it doesn't break, it's only going to make you stronger. Um, it's just when something's taken away from you potentially and you're not ready to let it go or you didn't walk out on your own terms, right. it's a little bit harder to swallow. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Well, you tell him we, we, we have his back and we wish him nothing but the best, and uh, I'm sure everything will work out. It always does. Yeah, I appreciate you guys for that. Absolutely. Support. Josh, we're going to get you yeah. on again. We love you. Yeah. Your yeah. personality, you, you know – I, it, really, everything that we went back and forth with, not even college sports we got into, football, uh, you know your stuff, and we really appreciate your time, as always. It's because I got apps. That's right. That's right. <laughs> the app. You know how to use the apps. That's the, the, the UNLV football app that will allow you to put in a request to schedule their 2029 match with Notre Dame that will turn the program around. <laughs> Got it. We're gonna beat him. Yep, and you'll get your 1.25 million or whatever the Marshall got paid. Just reach. It's inflation. It's like one seven of that. Oh yeah, there you go. Just reach out to Grandma Ma, okay? (laughs) Greg Anthony and that basketball team. That was a dominant basketball team. And how about that? Like the contradiction to to, there was no shot clock and they averaged like 120 a game. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) They are still the only team in the the 1990 whatever championship they won. 
one against Duke. They're still the only team ever to have Please a don't remind me. 100 points in a national championship game. So, I'm a Duke fan, so don't remind me. Hey, you guys me. had three other titles in the 90s. Uh, well, we were in a round back there. We were like two, right? I mean, I, no, I was, I, I was born in 82. I was, I was a big Duke fan. I was like 11, 12 years old when, when Duke was dominating in the 90s. So mm-hmm. I was you a Bobby Hurley fan. I mean, you, you got Leitner and you got that awesome shot off. I hated like Christian. Two. I hated Christian. Yeah, but how awesome was that shot? That Unbelievable player. against Kentucky. Right. But I was never a big fan of his. Never. Yeah, I understand. I, 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 he was a horrible NBA player, too, by the way. Just absolutely disgraceful. But that's just me. But I grew up a Bobby Hurley fan. And I, I still I have right. no yeah. idea. I have no idea why the Blue Devils didn't hire him as the head coach, okay? I, Shire is not the answer, ladies and gentlemen, for all you Duke idiots. I don't care if he has the great recruiting class that he has. They're not winning. I'm telling you. That's it. I'm done with that. I'm not get even going to get into that. Get him on the podcast. Let's go. Get him oh, on the show. please. Oh, one of our fans, please. Carl, would love that because he has I'll a high school basketball connection with John Shire. I'll bite his head off. I, I will completely... You know, uh, mind rape him, okay? Because I, uh, I, I will absolutely mind rape this guy if he if he tries to talk basketball with me and tries to sell me that this guy is going to change the world of the Duke Blue Devils, okay? Uh, I'm just disgusted. Duke's a football school now, apparently. Thank God, I and mean, we know what the quarterback. Happens, what happens when they win the national title? They'll year? never win the national. Or we'll never affiliate with that team. Apologies. What we can do? I'll tell never affiliate with that team anymore. Josh, I'll tell you what. If the Duke Blue Devils win the national championship, Shire as their head coach, I will run down the LIE naked a mile with I'm, a I'm sign saying, right now, si- all right, oh, you do that. God. You Super do that. Future bets. You do that. I will run down the LIE, LIE, the Long Island Expressway, naked for a mile, okay? And I'll, I'll, I'll make sure that everybody sees me do it in the daytime. If somehow... Shire wins a national championship with the Duke Blue Devils. It's never going to happen, just so everybody knows. I'm rooting now. (laughs) (laughs) You better put your bets on because it's not going to happen. Uh, hey, he's anyway. in, right in Vegas. He could do it right. He could do it That's very right. easily. You're right there. Listen, man. I'm going to my other son's game right now. I'm doing it on the way. There you, there go. you go. There you go. Duke well, futures bets for a national championship within the next five years. They there do have the best recruiting class this year. They do, but that doesn't mean nothing. But and a top-notch coach. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> no way. <laughs> Josh, thank you, bud. I appreciate you guys, man. Absolutely, Josh Towers, ladies and gentlemen, uh, ex Oriole, Blue Jay, and Yankee. Great stories, great personality, as always. And uh, we, we give a shout-out to his son, and hopefully it gets better. And, uh, you know, it, it sucks. You know, I, I know. I mean, I was a top-notch hockey player, and at, at the age of 17, I hurt my knee. And I was never the same, or I just never really pushed myself to go play junior hockey because I just hated the position I was in, you know. And, I, I, and like he says, you have an ego. When you're the best player – or you're one of the top 50 players in the country at what you do, and you it's taken away from you because of an injury, and then they decide to tell you that you're not going to get the scholarship, you have to earn it back. I mean, all those years, what, what did that do for me? Hmm. What did that do for me? All that hard work and, and dedication. It did nothing for me. Right. So it hurts. It hurts. But That's always the, always the toughest part where you have to like, – I guess go back on a dream like that. It's just hard. It's hard. Yeah. yeah. That, that's sports, man. It's same thing with radio. You know, you want to be the best. 
you go out there, you, you, you put it out. And, and we're not a podcast. And we, we go out there. We're alive on 103.9 FM. And we're pitching our show. And we want, we want everybody to hear our show to be different from what it is. And we want to be the best. And I, I want to be the best radio show host in America. Now, how do you do that? You know, you, you got to put, put up or shut up. And that's what we do. We're consistent. Consistent work. Consistent content. Like it or not. We're out here, and we, we're dedicated to entertain people for three hours. Uh, well, it was Tuesdays and Thursdays, now Wednesdays and Thursdays. And, we, and, and on 103.9, every single Saturday, we entertain people because we love to do it. And that's, that's – you have to love something to be if – you, if you love something and you're great at doing it and, and you made it a career – that by itself shows you the dedication that you have for that that craft that you put your time and energy into it. Mm-hmm. So, I uh, you know, it, it, I I feel for Josh's son. Yeah, absolutely. I do because I I know what it's like to lose something and feel like you're never going to get it back. Mm-hmm. Yes. So hopefully, yes. Hopefully, his son can definitely uh, get back on track with that. With that really scary injury. That's absolutely getting back to some football conversation. The New York Giants, yeah. two and O, oh, pull off another win. Against the Carolina Panther team, which this week was rated 32nd in the NFL. The Carolina Panthers, where I, I am going to attack Skip Bayless. Uh-oh. Yes. because <laughs> What Skip, dumb thing did he say? Because <laughs> Skip, in the beginning, before the season started, said that Baker Mayfield is going to make the Carolina Panthers a borderline playoff team. Did Tyler intrude his brain? <laughs> he says that Baker Mayfield is going to change the the thoughts of where they were the last two seasons with Matt Rule. That that the, he was going to play better than Sam Darnold. He was going to be better than, uh, you know, uh, what's his name again? Cam Newton. Yeah. Cam Newton when he came back. So I, I'm, I'm not going to take it away from the Giants. I, I'm not. The Giants are not hel- healthy defensively. They're not. No. And the fact that they're playing at the high pace and, and, and the blitzing and, and getting to the quarterback the way they have in the last two weeks, it's fantastic. It, it really is. And, and Martindale is, to me, the, coach, the, the assistant coach of the year. As of right now, yeah, of course. what he has done with this Giants defense has been extraordinary. Yeah. And I think Martindale is going to be interviewing for a coaching job next year. I do. I think Wink has always, had an, always deserved an opportunity to be a head coach in this league. He just never had the opportunity. And that all those years with Baltimore, and uh, he had his thoughts and his own problems with John Harbaugh, and that's why he didn't stay there. And, and obviously he built a good relationship over the years with Dable, and Dable said that if he ever got a head coach job, that Wink was going to be his defensive coordinator. So the Giants, what stood out on Sunday – wasn't their offense because their offense was putrid, okay? It, it's been putrid. And it's not Daniel Jones' fault. And I know a lot of no. people say it's Daniel Jones. Oh, he's not the quarterback. They don't trust him. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a bunch of you-know-what. It, it, it's not true. Here's the problem. They don't have any playmakers. They don't. There is nobody. Sterling Shepard, come on, guys. He has been there for how many years? He, he had an extension on his contract which I think it was a big mistake by the Giants, by the way. This is the seventh year. Yeah. He's been horrible. He's not – he's on any other team, he's a fourth option. That's what he is. 
Sterling Shepard is not a good wide receiver. Now, the human joystick, if he could actually stay on the field and actually play, maybe he is a game changer. But we'll never know because the guy's never healthy. That's the problem with the Giants. And let's be honest. What the hell were they thinking last year when they brought in um, Galladay? Galladay. <laughs> he has been horrible. He only had two snaps totally. Oh, my God. Game. He's been disgusting. Brian Dable's done a good job at just not saying, all right, we're paying this guy a lot. We have to play him. No, if he doesn't fit, he doesn't fit. Good riddance. He's been disgusting. And, and, and the Giants need to get rid of him. That has been a horrible contract. Horrible. But here's the thing. They have a competent coach. They have a coach that the team and the players believe in. And that's all you need. Tom Coughlin, okay? Now, the Giants had talent. They did. Their wide receiving talent those years, Victor Cruz. Victor Cruz was a star for two years with the Giants. That's it. And he had that extension. Yeah, he was good. He, he was a pro ball player. But Victor Cruz was, he was okay. And then, they, what did that? Hakeem Nix. Hakeem Nix. he was good for two years when they drafted him from North Carolina. He real three years. He really wasn't an elite wide receiver. They never had elite wide receivers. Never. Mario Manningham, he wasn't an elite wide receiver. They made plays in the big games. And that's what you need, playmakers in the big games. They were a running team. Earth, wind, and fire. That's what they were. Bradshaw. Jones. We talked to them. We talked. Ward. Earth, wind, and fire. That's what they were. They were a running team. Smash mouth football team. They won. Yeah, their defense was important. They won because they trust their coach. They believed in Tom Coughlin. That's what they did. The players, the coaches, everybody, even the fans, believed in this man. Even Michael Strahan, who at one point hated Tom Coughlin, yep. he believed in Tom Coughlin in the big game. Ask Bill Belichick, who had his ear over the years when he, when he was coaching on the same sidelines with Tom Coughlin. Bill Parcells had a great tree. He did. Yeah. He really did. You look at it. Tom Coughlin, Bill Belichick, I mean, Peyton. Sean Payton's another one. That was a great tree. And now you look at Kyle Shanahan's tree. It's a good tree. Too bad Kyle Shanahan is probably the worst out of all of them. <laughs> well, you gotta you gotta judge it this way when it comes to when it comes to the coaching for the Giants. It's very similar to the start of of the 2011 season when they kind of overperformed and then they kind of died out in the middle because the Giants had all those injuries. Remember all those injuries in the beginning of that season too. Now I don't think this roster is overall as good as the the 2011, the second Super Bowl team because the first Super Bowl team had a lot of talent. Yeah, the did. second Super Bowl team was good, but it kind of had some injury issues and had a lot. But to it overcome. took the talent. The second the second Super Bowl, it took a while for that talent to, to develop. Correct. It was know? a grittier regular yeah, season. Yeah, it, it took it took really to the last three games, four games of the season to really uh, show up. And the same thing in 2007. It, they didn't really start to play until the end of the season. Yeah, they started 0-2. They got blown out in both games. And then it, then they had a good month, and a, then they got smoked by the Vikings. There was a couple of other games that really looked bad. But the 2011 one especially, this is what the first two Giants games this year kind of remind me of because they just win in such random ways now. Because you're right, Wink Martindale's dealing with a defense that has two edge rushers out. Leonard Williams got hurt in, the, in that game. When so. is Thibodeau coming? He, he could have played. Like is they he were thinking, he week? could play this this week. They were thinking he could play 
last week he had a late setback. So he should be back probably within the next two weeks. Ojolari will probably be a little bit of a longer timeline because he had a re That's horrible. And they're still winning, so it doesn't matter. They're still winning right now. And I'll give I'll give the backups guys credit, though. Zimenez, who they drafted in the third round in 2019 as an edge rusher, finally starting to play well. Maybe more of a 3-4 guy that didn't fit before that. And then uh, Jihad Ward was a free agent, a guy that was a journeyman for a while. Bumped around. He was drafted by the Raiders. Played well that first year with Jack Del Rio. And then really has been bumped around since. He's played well for the Giants, too. So i got to give him a lot of credit. And this secondary, which I was worried about at the beginning of the season. Again, the Panthers, yeah, their passing game isn't great. But DJ Moore is a good wide receiver. Christian McCaffrey is a good receiving back. So they, they have to factor those in. And they really contained both of those well. Julian Love was exceptional in that game, too. And he played well. Yeah. And I remember when they drafted him two years ago. Yep. And offensively, I agree with you. I think Daniel Jones is the least of the problems right now because no, I think the offensive line had a lot of trouble in that game against the Panthers. Which I is think, crazy when yeah. you look at their offensive line and the tackles that they have. And it's weird. I saw something where Pro Football Focus was ranking Andrew Thomas's performance as one of the better ones that week. It didn't seem like it. It felt, it felt like he got beat a lot in pass protection. In the second half, it got a little better, but it didn't seem like it was one of those like top-notch Andrew Thomas games you saw last year. Evan Neal still trying to find his way a little bit. Um, I know run blocking wise, he did well last week, but pass blocking still has been an issue for him with the knee injury. And then the interior definitely was. Uh oh, 61? No. Oh, no. Ground rule double? That was a ground, a ground rule double for Aaron Judge. So wow, close. that was close. That was a line drive double. Yeah, that's great. I, I was looking at it. I was like, oh, there it is. Is that the one? No, but he's smiling. He knows it's coming. Yeah. He knows it's coming. If it doesn't happen in this game, it'll happen against Boston. I, I do believe it. Are, are they playing in, in in Boston or are they playing in Yankee Stadium? I think it's in Boston. Oh, that'll be great. I think I, be I think that was one of the – I would love to see that happen. I think that was one of the reasons why I didn't think it would happen at first is because I don't think the Red Sox would be the team to definitely let that happen, but – because you oh, know the Red that Sox. Be great? You, you know the Red Sox. They're not going to want to be that team. Tying Roger Maris's record in Boston and then breaking it the next game. <laughs> no, it is at home. It is at home. But All still, right. still, the Beating Red Sox Boston. are not going to be one of the be that team that wants to do that. Oh, that'll be fun. Oh man. Oh, the Yankee fans would love it if it happened against Boston. I, I would sure. love to see it against Boston. Are you kidding me? Yeah, of be course. A great opportunity. I mean, something to laugh about. That's for sure. I mean, yep. Uh, before we go to break, yeah. I'll just read some of these comments. Uh, Michael Laramore says, Mike Trout. Is the face of the game that nobody knows about. Uh, I think absolutely. people know about him. We, they know about him, but yeah, definitely not the popular name I like mean, Josh you, was saying with Otani. If you put him on the streets of Manhattan and you have Mike Trout just walk around, I think a lot of people wouldn't know who Mike Trout was. But if you have Aaron Judge walking around yeah, you know, all, all over the country, you, you sent him in England, you know who Aaron Judge is because he's six foot seven, 280 pounds of muscle, and you can tell who he is. I mean, that smile by itself would explain who he is. So, yep. Uh, ben says, Judge, you up third and second inning. Yes, he struck out in that at bat. Uh, Snug says there is a need for balance. I think he's referring to the NIL stuff you guys were debating about. Mm. Uh, the money goes to concession stands and beer for tailgating. Figure that one out. Uh, Snug says there, you should pay the kids deferred funds. You get a degree. You get paid. At the end of the day, it's about to be about education. Pay them for every <sighs> year of school they compete. There he goes. <laughs> LSU was already getting sideways. Well, yeah. Blocking an extra point is not the most ideal way to lose, though, Snug. Uh, what did you, uh, they just needed to get a little bit of the sticky icky to get that brain right. I'm not really sure what that means. It means marijuana. Uh, Steph Curry is good, but his swagger and shimmy makes him great. Andy Pettit was on steroids. This guy would love Kenny. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, it's the LIE. There would be another dozen dudes probably doing it as we speak, led by the Sultan of Coleslaw. 
and <laughs> Giants versus Pittsburgh in the Super Bowl. All right, Snug, if you want to put some random futures bets on that, I hope you're right. Uh, but I'm not ready to jump the gun just because the Giants are one of the six undefeated teams left. When we come back, we'll be talking to Fox Charlotte Sports live host and reporter Will Canuckle. Right? I got it right? Canuckle? Kunkle. Kunkle. I'm sorry. Kunkel, and I, I checked out his stuff on Twitter. He's doing a lot of great things, and we're, we're very happy to have him first time on our show here on the Sports Loudmouths. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. Six three one six seven two. 3108 is the number to call. As everybody knows, you're listening to the Sports Loudmouths. You can check us out on our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app on iOS, searching us at WWSRN or Android Worldwide Sports Radio Network. I would like to thank, obviously, former Orioles, Blue Jays, and Yankees pitcher for joining us, Josh Towers, as always. Fantastic interview. Funny guy. And uh, happy to have him on. And we have a new guy, a new personality, uh, a guy that's very well known as a reporter, sports analyst over there in Charlotte. We are now talking to Fox Charlotte Sports live host and reporter, Will Conkle. What's going on, Will? Nailed the name that time. Thanks I, for having me on the You know what it is? You know what it is? I, Speedy tells me before the show, he has everything set up. He, he writes it down for me, make sure that I know. And he, he, I'm, I'm doing all the stuff. I'm doing my research and everything, getting everything together. And then Speedy tells me, he's like, his name is Conkle. Conkle. You had and it then, right at the beginning of the show, and then you went to something else. <laughs> and then, and then I, and, and all of a sudden, when I'm, I'm about to introduce somebody, I mess up their name. It, it's really, really bad. But. Then again, I'm not very good with names, especially hockey names. I'm horrible. Wow. Uh, horrible. But anyways, before we get into some sports conversation with you, uh, how are you and your family with COVID? I mean, we haven't spoken to you. Uh, how's everything going over there? Clean. Everyone's good. My wife's an ICU nurse. Um, and so she never got it. Um, we're all good and gravy, baby. Look at that, man! Um, am I, is that still is that still a, like a topic for an opener? I don't point? know. You know, it's it's a topic for me. You know, I want to make sure that all my guests are happy and and healthy. Yeah, you know? yeah. I go to the gym and I eat well, so I'm going to be all right. Well, I go to the gym. I don't know about eating well. I've been yeah, I've been yeah. eating well lately and drinking yeah. some water, but it has a lot to do with taking my blood and getting you know and making sure that I have my triglycerides are down. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, why don't we get into a little bit about you first before we get into sports? How did you become a, a reporter uh, for in Charlotte, and where where did you start in high school, college? Where what made you become a sports reporter? Uh, so, I mean, I played sports my whole life. I grew up in Connecticut. Um, I mean, I played baseball, football, basketball, and I played baseball in college. And eventually, just kind of was like, well, I ain't making it, so <laughs> I can either quit this thing. And have a senior year, and I did that, and I was like, yeah, now I don't know what to do because everyone at home, you know, does Wall Street or does whatever it is that they do. And I was like, all right, I'll do that. And I was like, this sucks. I, I do not want to do this. And then uh, I went to lunch or dinner one night with my mom, and she was like, what do you want to do? If someone could tell you could do anything and no one could tell you otherwise, I want to talk about sports. She's like, go do it. I was like, oh, okay. So long story short, graduated college with a social major because I didn't know what the hell I was doing with my life. And then I uh, worked at ESPN for two years right out of college. 
uh, worked on Mike and Mike in the morning and some college football game day, not game day, but college football live and sports center. So I had a real fun time there, but wanted more attention in my life. It wasn't enough being behind the camera. So went to Northwestern for a year and then went to Fargo, Toledo, Wichita, now here in Charlotte. You know, it's like coaching. You just kind of climb the ranks until you finally get somewhere you want to be. So you know our friend Justin Craig then? Sounds familiar. Where He produced over there for Mike and Mike. He was over there. He worked on the Mike and Mike show. And, uh, yeah, depending on what year. So I was there for two years. It's, what would it be? Eight and nine, mm. eight to ten, mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. I know he was a producer, and now he's the regional guy. He runs, you know, ESPN Radio right. now. So he's, oh, he's man. fantastic, man. He's he's doing big things. So shout out to Justin Craig. But uh, as everybody knows, we are talking to Fox Charlotte Sports live host and reporter Will Kunkel. So Will, why don't we get into some Charlotte sports? Because obviously, uh, over there in Charlotte, it it's a basketball place. It really mm-hmm. is. Michael Jordan. And the Charlotte Hornets. I always call them the Bobcats because that's what I remember them as. But uh, it is the Hornets <laughs> over there. What is it like? The the what is it like over there with the Ball family? Obviously, uh, running the town over there. I mean, Lamelo Ball is the superstar over there. He's the face of the franchise. What is it like as uh, uh, what you have seen over the last couple of really last year uh, over there with the Charlotte Hornets? I mean, this dude's got star power. And I've never seen somebody, and I mean this respectfully, do nothing in the league with so much star power. I mean, he just came in and it was like, boom. And you know, you understand why. Mm-hmm. Like, he's extremely exciting to watch. He's eccentric. He has extreme amounts of ability. And he's going to be very good in the NBA. But, I mean, it's rare that you see a kid come in and just, boom, have be that type of a star. Like, when he's out at grocery stores, when he's out in his car, I mean, forget about it. They're – there was a video of Michael Jordan in a parking garage and kids ran up to him and were like, where's LaMelo? And you're like, no, what? You're talking to the greatest basketball player on earth right now. And it's changed. And we haven't had that kind of star power here since Cam Newton. And it's been, it's been a while, you know, you go through quarterback always runs the town, but it's tough when you're Teddy Bridgewater in for one year, Sam Darnold in for one year, Kyle Allen, Taylor Heineke doesn't really have that same kind of star power. Uh, Baker Mayfield definitely brings that star power, but LaMelo's different, but he's got to win. Like you got to be successful to, to be more than just star power. Um, but it's fun having a guy like that because it's relevant, even though the team isn't very good right now, it makes you relevant on the national stage. Don't forget about the uh, Derek Anderson saving the 2014 season when Cam Newton was hurt. (laughs) Big month of December because of him. (laughs) So my question is, I'll stick it with the Hornets. Outside of LaMelo Ball, they've had a lot of kind of either top 10 or fringe top 10 draft picks. A lot of them just coming into their own. And are there any guys to watch out for of those draft picks recently to maybe make a bigger leap like the LaMelo Ball type leap uh, for for the next couple of years? I mean, the dude was Miles Bridges. Hmm. And then he allegedly beat his wife his girlfriend i'm not entirely sure what she really is i've mm-hmm. seen her labeled like a dozen things but the mother of his children nonetheless and the photos are brutal having said that we don't know what's going to happen he could be suspended for the whole year he may miss no games at all and they're going to deal with the pr nightmare but he was an all-star i mean he was the guy that there is going to help lead them to the promised land being you know a, a fight a fight a fifth seed if, if that's the promised land it is right now but <laughs> without him it's who knows, but like Mark Williams, we'll see what he can do coming out of Duke. But I mean, 
when you're the Hornets and you're constantly drafting at 13, 14, 15, you don't get a star. But when you do, you got a hit, and they hit on Lamella Ball. But they missed on like Frank Kaminsky the year prior, years prior. Michael Kidd, Gilchrist, they've just missed on way too many to be good. And then obviously bad contracts with Nick Batum and, and then I'm never having a, a center. But Miles Bridges, whatever happens with him is going to dictate the future of this team dramatically. We are talking to Fox Charlotte Sports Live host and reporter Will Kunkel. Um, there were a lot of interesting things that have happened this offseason. And one of them, uh, the Charlotte Hornets were looking for a head coach. And they thought they had one from the Golden State Warriors, Kenny Atkinson. And Kenny Atkinson is, uh, we all know him over here. He's a Long Island native, New York native, worked with the Knicks, helped Jeremy Lin. He helped develop those Brooklyn Nets, Karis LeVert and Allen, and all these different kids that we have seen. And even brought Spencer Dinwiddie to a higher, you know, higher type of point guard in the NBA. And then obviously gets fired because of our friend Kyrie Irving, who doesn't know when to shut his mouth. So what happened... I mean, he accepted the job, and then within 24 to 48 hours, he decided not to take the job. What was it over there that he didn't like the the youngsters of the Charlotte? Was it that, or was it something else on why he decided not to take that job? From what I was told, it was all like family and kids. They were like, no, we don't want to move. And I'm and fine. I respect that. But don't you have that conversation like, hey, this is an on-site job. I know everyone's working remotely. This ain't one of those guys. So don't you have that conversation prior to accepting the head coaching job with the Charlotte Hornets and then be like, all right, we're out. But like, it makes sense. They were in Brooklyn and then they were in Los Angeles. Now they're in Golden State. So like, you are dragging your kids from school to school to school and your wife as well. So I understand it, but I, it's hard to believe you didn't have that conversation. Maybe it's like, you know, Tom Brady and Giselle right now. Like They had the conversation. Tom was like, no, I'm doing my thing. And Kenny was like, all right, I respect that. And he pulled out, uh, and then the Hornets were shocked. I mean, the conversations I had with some of them behind the scenes were like, we had a deal in place. It was all but signed. And I I guess it took longer than expected. So they were kind of like, why is this deal not signed yet? And eventually we found out why. And it blew like everyone away of the Hornets because I got in touch with a handful of people, some sources, and they're like, wait, what are you talking about? Like, I let them know what was going on because they had no idea yet. You know, it's so interesting because that's a head coaching job. You're an assistant coach on Steve Kerr's, you know, his team is, is coaching. Yes. You're, you're, you're a first string coach. You're, you're right behind Steve Kerr. Who cares? You're not a head coach in the NBA and you're not getting the golden state job. You're, you're not getting the Clippers job and you're not getting the Lakers job. So you're not staying over there. So to me, eventually you're going to get an offer for another job. Now, we, a lot of people believe here in New York, he's waiting for some coach to be fired after this coming season. I, I believe it. Tom Thibodeau is is on, uh, you know, on the edge over here. If this team does not make the playoffs this year, I believe Tom will be fired. And I love Tom. I'm the one who predicted two years ahead of time that Tom Thibodeau, and anybody could tell you, I wrote an article and I said, Tom Thibodeau will be the head coach of this New York Knicks team. He became the New York Knicks head coach. But now uh, he's right now tailing at the end of that that contract, and I I believe that this is a win or break year for him. And I've said this, Speedy will tell you that if if he gets fired, Kenny Atkinson's probably the the lead guy to get the job. 
Uh, he's from New York. He want his family would probably love to come back here. And I think that's one of the reasons why I think he decided, you know what? I'm looking at my options right now, and my options here is the Knicks suck. <laughs> They're in a bad situation. I'll just wait until Tom Thibodeau bombs this, and I'm going to get that job anyways because I was the second guy that was going to get that job before Tom took the job. So I, 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 don't know what you th- I, I don't know what you think about that, but what are your thoughts to that? I mean, there's a lot of talks. There was, there was two people that we talked to uh, over the last couple of months that said the same thing. They believe that he believes that he could be the next head coach for the New York Knicks. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think he could be. I'd be surprised if he was willing to take the job. And then it was like, the Knicks. Ah, I forgot about them. <laughs> Shit, that's right. I mean, so I'm sure that he is definitely on the short list if that ever happens. And it's right. on his short list for sure. <laughs> I'd be more inclined to think that Steve Kerr was like, hey, listen, I'm going to do this for like two years, really? maybe three. You're next in line if you want it. Because you know, Steve's had some health issues. Right. So he's not exactly a spring chicken. They've got young players. You know, Steve Stephen Curry is going to be around for much longer than three years. Right. You would you would imagine. Um, so I would be more inclined that a conversation like that happened because I I don't not so familiar with the Warriors coaching staff down the bench, but they lost a handful of guys. Right. Like didn't Brown leave and someone else left? So Steve's probably like, dude, you can't leave me too. Here's maybe even a little extra money as mm-hmm. well. And he was like, all right, I'll stick around. That's interesting. I never even thought of that. The Kenny Atkins, it looks at the Knicks. Oh, oh, didn't we trade for Donovan? Uh, no, no. <laughs> yeah. no. No, I'm going to wait another year. <laughs> I thought that was a guarantee. What the hell happened? <laughs> no, the, the Knicks, even in their greatest guarantee, still find some kind of way to get too cute with it. Please. And they have to have Please. their second guy negotiate instead of our actual president of basketball operations. Mm-hmm. So my question about the Hornets, uh, going back to them, uh, being that Michael Jordan is an executive over there, in a player-run type league, are you surprised that that hasn't really warranted more leverage? I know you mentioned some of the bad contracts, but even some of the superstar leverage, because it, even in some other cities that aren't supposed to be quote-unquote big markets, we've seen players want to go there. You mean with Jordan being the owner? Yeah, like him being an executive. Are you surprised like a former player being there hasn't warranted that much leverage? Yes and no. Like, I don't know, it's, it's so, I mean, they've played this brand of basketball in the past because of the lack of talent that is boring, uninspiring, and no one wants to play with. Now they're playing, a fa- like James Brego had them playing fast, up pace, and the, everyone around the league that we talked to was like, you guys play a really fun brand of basketball and players like to come here. So I don't know that Jordan is really all that involved, honestly, in the day-to-day. I mean, I know he's not involved in the day-to-day operations, let alone something like that. I mean, you saw what they had to shell out just to get Gordon Hayward here. They had to shell out extra money because it is Charlotte. You know, Giannis went to Milwaukee because that's where he ended up. And then he was like, I want, he's a different breed. He's like, I want to win here. I'm going to do it here. This is what I've started. I'm going to finish it. That's not the NBA. The NBA players are not like, this is where I came. I'm sticking with it. <laughs> Hell with everybody else. I'm making my way. Pat, no, they're like, oh, my boys are over there. I'm going to go play with them or everyone come over here. Like, it's way too hard down here in Oklahoma City. I'm going to go to Golden State where everyone just crapped out, where everyone just beat my ass with Steph and them. And then, obviously, talking about Kevin Durant. Then he goes to Brooklyn. It's like oh, you're God. chasing the ring versus <laughs> – building your own thing and sticking somewhere. And the irony behind that is that success is built with stability. I mean, all the best franchises have stability. So Mike just isn't as involved as you would like to think that he is. And as much as players respect him, there's just too many 
unknowns. Like they were here and then they weren't here. And then there were the Bobcats and they were trash. Kemba tried to build it to the best of his ability. They just never hit on other picks and never built around him properly, unfortunately. We are talking to Fox Charlotte Sports live host and reporter Will Kunkel. Uh, let's get into some football conversation. And, um, yeah, um, I don't know what's going on with the Carolina Panthers. I, 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 a, lot of, uh, a lot of people thought, and, and, and Skip Bayless, I, I took shots at Skip before the show, uh, and I think Skip, I think it was out of his mind when he thought that this Carolina, Carolina Panther team could be a playoff-bound team. I think Matt Rule has weighed out his welcome. I think he's going to be uh, maybe the new Notre Dame coach or whoever <laughs> – uh, one of these guys that are going to get it fired. He's going to he's going to he's going to get one of these college coaching jobs. I I do not believe he's going to be the Carolina Panthers head coach at the end of this season. I, I thought it was a good move bringing in Baker Mayfield. I think it was smart because we we already know what Sam Donald is. I'm a Jet fan and I already know what he is. Uh, is a guy that makes a lot of mistakes and forces the ball in windows. You just start to shake your head with, but that's because of the Jets because they're a bunch of idiots. But nevertheless. Uh, what are your thoughts to this team and what you've seen so far early in the season? So there's there's a lot to break down. Mm. Um, I mean, let's start on the offensive side of the ball. Baker has not played very well. Mm-mm. He's played really well in flashes. Uh, the offensive line hasn't played really well. They played well in flashes. The wide receivers are not running the, the right routes at the right depths all the time. So what happens is you can't line all that up, so then you're – you're three and out way more often than you should be. Against the Giants, they had something in the second half. I think it was – their drives consisted of three plays, three plays, five <laughs> plays, three plays, three plays, four plays. I mean, good luck, dude. Like, you're not doing anything unless you hit a 75-yarder like they did against the Browns to Robbie Anderson. That's the only way you can score. And then on defense, I mean, people want to blame Matt Rule, and I understand the anxiety towards Matt Rule. I get it. But what do you want – like the opening kickoff, Chuba Hubbard fumbles the ball immediately on the opening kickoff. Matt's supposed to go up to Chuba and be like, hey, I'm calling the don't fumble the opening kickoff play. Like, bro, there's nothing that Matt can do about that. And then the defense bows up. They force a field goal. And then Robbie Anderson fumbles it later. They bow up again, force another field goal. But they do that all day long, and the offense can't ever stay on the field. So the defense is exhausted by the fourth quarter. So then they eventually break. They give up a touchdown, so on and so forth, to give up some yards. Graham Gano comes out and kicks the, kicks the game winner. So my point is there's so many different issues right now that you can't point the finger at one person or one thing. Now, there are some – and I don't know that your viewers care about this, but, like, <laughs> why is Stephen Sullivan the third-string, second-string tight end split out left mm-hmm. instead of Rashard Higgins or Terrace Marshall Jr., a wide receiver. I don't understand that. Matt Rule has acknowledged this week at least that they do need to play more wide receivers instead of just the three guys with Shai Smith, DJ Moore, and Robbie Anderson. But, like, if that's your biggest issue, you're having more success. And there's just too many guys that are not on the same page. The quarterback competition probably went a little too long mm-hmm. between Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold, and then – They only played a half of football together before the regular season. And the best way to play football and get better at football is to play football. It's (laughs) certainly not in practice and joint practice. That's a long-winded way of saying there's a lot of things not going well for the Panthers right now. Having said that, they've lost two games by a combined five points. But if those were against, like, the Packers and Chiefs, you'd be like, cool. It's against the Browns and the Giants, dude. If you want to be good, you've got to beat those teams. 
but they look at the Panthers the same way. Like if you want to be good, you got to beat the Panthers. It's funny you brought up Shai Smith because I'm a I'm a Giants fan, so I was watching that closely. I kept thinking that was DJ Moore. I keep forgetting DJ Moore switched numbers. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, yeah. who is this guy they keep targeting? And I'm like Shai Smith, and he kept. Shai's the dude that like everyone's got their eyes on. He had a great training camp. He's got some some really explosive ability. I had a sit down with Christian McCaffrey, and I was like, hey. Christian, give me a guy to keep an eye on. And don't give me this whole, we got a lot of young guys because Christian can kind of go in that mode. But he was great in our interview, by the way. And he says, Shy Smith. And, and I've heard that from multiple guys. The problem is he dropped the ball. A lot, he, yeah. Yeah. Like you, you can't go, you can't have an opportunity on third down to convert. You drop the ball. And then later in the game, you're making diving catches for third down conversions versus what should be a walk-in touchdown. I mean, you're, that's how the margin of error is like this close. And that a lot of that has to do with player personnel. And a lot of it has to do with coaching. It's a lot of kind of everything right now. And when you're relying on 50 different things to line up and a lot of ifs, like if this happens, then this, if this happens, then that, then are more times than not, it's probably not going to line up. Hence they're on a nine game losing streak back to last year. Wow. So speaking of young players, uh, my question is about their first round pick of Iki Aquanu. Uh, drafted him sixth overall. The Giants then took Evan Neal number seven. I'm a Giants fan and I've been like semi impressed in some areas, but not greatly impressed with Evan Neal, but they could the Panthers could have had them. So what have you, what is your impression of Aquanu? And is that the decision you would have made in that draft over Evan Neal or even somebody else? So everyone I talked to, the people I trust, was Charles Cross was the guy. Like, okay. Like guys that played in the league were like Charles Cross, and from I don't I don't even know where he ended up going. Seattle. Seattle he looks great in Seattle. Yeah, too, yeah. By so the way. Someone said yes. I didn't know where he went, but they're like, bro, he's killing it. Yeah. Like he's, he's awesome. Well, yeah. I was like, no, no kidding. Of course he is, because the same guy that told me <laughs> Charles Cross told me Rashawn Slater reminded him <laughs> of Tony Baselli, and the Panthers passed on him, and now Rashawn Slater is like an All Pro out of Northwestern. Let's go Cats, alma mater. For the Chargers. Now, Iki Aquanu is a great run blocker, a lot like Evan Neal. Uh, Iki Aquanu has always been the biggest, strongest guy at every level he's ever played at, so he's never relied on his technique a ton. Now in the NFL, you are no longer the biggest, strongest, fastest guy every single Sunday, especially when your first matchup is Miles Garrett. <laughs> so when he lines up against a defensive end and he's on either side of him and he wants to put a move on him, he has trouble. That doesn't mean he's not going to get better. He's not going to improve and be a Pro Bowl left tackle. Right now, he's a great run blocker, but has problems pass protecting from side to side. It's kind of the same thing like Evan Neal had big-time problems with Brian Burns on Sunday because he's a speed rusher. Evan Neal has to rely on his technique and has got to learn, like, hey, trust your technique the same way Icky does in order to stop these guys because you're not going to be faster than Brian Burns. Brian Burns is going to be faster than you every single time. So get your feet in the right position and get in position so where you're in his way. As everybody knows, we are talking to Fox Sports uh, Sports Live host and reporter Will Kunkel. Will, uh, you you look at the Carolina Panthers right now, and Christian McCaffrey has been the star of this team. He is the face of this organization. Uh, he, he, he got a lot of money a couple of years ago. Can't stay healthy on the field. Uh, it's been a big problem. Fantasy sports uh, owners – can't stand him because he's a top three pick, and the man can't stay on the field. When he's on the field, he, he, he's, he's a game changer. What are your thoughts um, at the end of this season if this Carolina Panther team is not a playoff team and they're not consistently uh, a good offensive team? Do the Carolina Panthers decide to part ways with him? Do they trade him? I mean, I, I know he's the face of this team. I know a lot of people over there. My friend lives in Carolina. They, he loves them. Absolutely loves Everyone Christian McCaffrey. Loves yes. He, and he's an incredible guy, like great person. 
Yeah, and uh, and what's so interesting about him is uh, not only is he dating one of the hottest supermodels out there, <laughs> he he's a great football player. And I met him, um, I met him in Miami. He was out in Miami for the Super Bowl. Uh, had an opportunity. It's so funny. He was in an Uber, and he got out of the Uber. I said, "Hey, that's Christian McCaffrey." I'm like, "Go out there, say hello to him." <laughs> so uh, I had a, you know, I said hello to him, talked to him for five minutes, and very nice guy, really, really straight. And he's not that big. It's crazy when you stand in front of him. He he's stocky. He's a stocky kid. He's, he's thick as yes. hell. I mean, he's a fire hydrant. Yes, he is. He, I mean, he, he is thick as and strong as hell. I'm a stocky guy too. I'm two thirty five ten, and that's. Probably where he's at. So when I had an opportunity to meet him, I'm like, wow, he's not that tall, but he's pretty big. But very nice guy. What are your thoughts to, you know, where the Panthers go with him? Do they trade him? Uh, Do they try to get something back for him? I mean, unfortunately, he just hasn't stayed healthy. The problem is it's not that easy because it's a $62 million deal. Right. So if you're trying to get rid of him, there's a reason that you want to get rid of him. And whoever wants him has to be a running back away, which means you probably already have a quarterback with a massive salary and a defensive end with a massive salary and someone else with a huge salary. So who's going to be able to take on that, that big time contract, which means the Panthers would probably have to pay a portion of it as well. Um, so I'd be surprised if it's able to work. The Panthers still got to figure out the quarterback situation of Baker, isn't it? So I don't know that it matters. And you probably want a guy like Christian McCaffrey around anyway. Now maybe they try to figure something out and Christian's like, Hey, he would never ever request a trade like the at least not publicly like ever i'd be surprised if he even did it privately but at, at some point he's going to get real frustrated and he's wasting his career here if they can't figure out how to do this so i'd i'd be surprised if they can just make the numbers work and trade that sizable contract well look on the bright side i mean if they are a losing team and they don't win that many games this year they have a very good quarterback class coming up maybe they get true. the number one pick and they get bryce young and then there she blows. <laughs> but as the Panthers do, they're going to be like the seven, eight, nine pick, and then you got to give up the farm in this class. You sound to move up anywhere. You sound like all us Jet fans. <laughs> <laughs> you guys can't even suck right. <laughs> See the Jets. At least the Jets have gotten the top five picks. The problem is they'll take three quarterbacks within five years <laughs> <laughs> and fail. Doing it too, yeah. by the way. But hopefully, or, Zach Wilson is the real deal. See, we'll see. They just have to go. Just go back to the 2009 draft. Just draft Mark Sanchez just outside the top five. Could you and then stop? Be good. I mean, I don't have to hear you. I, I I hear all these people. We have all these analysts on the show, ex NFL players, and as soon as they find out I'm a Jet fan, they start laughing. They giggle. I mean, it, like the last time you had success was was the Bart Scott game. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I don't even remind me. He's out here. He's an analyst out here. I love Bart. Yeah. He doesn't know anything about anything but football. But he, you know, he thinks he knows boxing. He thinks he knows baseball. And by the way, he doesn't know anything about hockey. And when he talks about hockey, I'm like, dude, have, do you even know how to skate? Seriously. Yo, is there anything? I don't know that there's a sport that's worse to hear someone talk about that they don't know what they're talking about than hockey. Because <laughs> you can spot it so fast. Like you can hear enough about football. You can say enough things and. Like, whatever. Hockey, it's like, what? So that, that, what? That's where the SNL skit comes from. Let's do that hockey. Yeah, yeah. yeah you have to have yeah, some, yeah. some kind of credibility to that. Best yeah. kid of all time, Peyton Manning. Playing oh, with yes, those kids. Oh, yeah. Playing with Absolutely. those kids, man. That is one of the funniest skits I've ever seen in my no entire doubt. life. 
Real so, funny. So my question uh, will shift to the same, different, same offensive style. DJ Moore, uh, he's had a rough start to this season so far. I know you were mentioning a lot of a lot of it with the play calling too. Matt Rule lining up second tight ends all over the place and stuff like that. Uh, is that you think that's the main reason for his struggles so far? Could it be him? Could it be the defense is double teaming him? I know the Giants don't really have a lot of great secondary players, but the Browns obviously Denzel Ward having against him. Do you, what do you think is the main reasons for his slow start to the season? What happened in game one? is that they couldn't stay on the field. They couldn't get past pro, so you can't get the ball out to DJ. And then against the Giants, the Giants took him away. I mean, they put they went safety high, put him over DJ every single time. They doubled him all the time. So he just wasn't open. And then he obviously broke free for that one touchdown. Um, but their game plan was to, to remove him from the game and make Robbie Anderson, Shai Smith beat him. And they weren't obviously able to do that. And guys like DJ, you got to be real creative to get him the ball if you're being if you're double teaming him because you're not having the time to drop back five, seven steps and wait for a double move for him to get open. So you got to bring him in motion. They tried that once and give him the ball. It didn't work out. Um, they just got to get they got to get this offense on the same page. I was saying this on the radio here today. Is if this offense can click, it will be fun to watch. Now it might be too late in the season to where playoffs are out of the picture anyway, but if they can get to click, it will be fun to watch if they can get on the same page from a timing standpoint and protection. But I mean, we're already, we're now in week three and here we go. And they're not, again, they're not a team that rolls out, you know, a stud quarterback every single weekend, like Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers. So you know what you're going to get. We don't know what you're going to get every weekend with these guys. We are talking to Fox Charlotte sports live host and reporter, Will Kunkel. Uh, there's another sport over there that's very popular and you just mentioned it. Hockey. And the Carolina Hurricanes is arguably your best team. It really is. I mean, if you look at that roster, I That's thought arguable, is it? I, I, I think they should have won the Stanley Cup this year. I thought yeah, I'm they a diehard New York Rangers fan. Okay. So. They, oh guys. Nice. Oh God. That, you know, I well, went to the game seven against the Pens. Uh, game seven against the Canes here as well. How are you a Ranger fan? In what it. Is this? How are you? Did you were you raised here in New York? Yeah, Connecticut. Oh, okay, that's right. That's right. So I'm I'm a Yankees guy. I've been watching the the chase. Yes. Oh, oh my God, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm tuned I'm, in. I I'm a Yankee fan, so I like you about that. I I'm an Islander fan. So there you go. You got a, one positive. There's a positive there. I mean, there is. That's rare. Like Islander fans are usually Must like be. the Jets, Islanders. Stop. Mets. Everybody says that. Everybody keeps saying. I know a lot of Jets, Yankees, Islander fans. I it just it, it's just everybody says it's Jets, Mets. Yeah, Islanders. it's always that, though. It's like it's Rangers, Yankees, Giants, Knicks. The new age, uh, you know, being that you grew up in those times, uh, a lot of people, a lot of people here in Long Island, their fathers were Islander fans. So they're Islander That's fans. True. You know what I mean? So and then the Islanders sucked for so long. So, you know what? I'm going to go to the Rangers. I'm going to be a Ranger. I'm the opposite. I was a Ranger fan for about oh. 12 <laughs> years. And uh, I, I in 1993. The Rangers decided to part ways and trade away my favorite player, John Van Beesbrook, and send him to the Vancouver Canucks, which, by the way, the Rangers played in the Stanley, Stanley Cup Finals year. the year after and won the Stanley Cup. So it would have been really fun to watch Mike Richter versus Van Beesbrook, but it was Mike Richter versus Kurt McLean, and Richter won. And ever since then, I was upset, even though I understand why the Rangers did it. Mike Richter was the younger guy. Uh, they, they decided to go the younger path, but... I was upset at them, and I hated the Rangers for it. And 
He went to the Panthers. I was a Panther fan. When he went to the Islanders for the year and a half that he was there, I became an Islander fan. I said, you know what? I'm going to stick with this crappy team and watch this crap really build. And it's so far, I like what Lou has done, but, you know, we're not here to talk about the Islanders. We're here to talk about your Carolina Hurricanes team. This team lost a star center. Well, I wouldn't say star center, but one of their lead centers, their face-off guys. He goes to the Rangers in the offseason, the Rangers need. I mean, they added in, they brought in Brent Burns. I think it was a good move by him, by them. He's one of the more underrated top defensemen in the NHL. Also mean and has no teeth. Um, <laughs> uh, Sebastian Ajo, I, I, he was one of the best play, young players in the league last year in a regular season. I don't know what happened to him in the playoffs. I have no idea, uh, but he did not look very, very good, in, especially against the Rangers. Where is this team now? I mean, also, they brought in Max Pacioretty. Great move by them, by the way. Uh, yes. Where, where do you think the Hurricanes are now going into the new season of hockey? So they're always kind of like a goaltender away is what it felt like. And they, they dealt Alex Nedeljkovic out to Detroit a couple of years ago. Well, I guess last year. Last and then year, Freddie yeah. got hurt. Mm-hmm. What did you say? I said, no, it was last year. It wasn't last year. Right yeah. after he was a finalist for the Rookie of the Year. Yeah, and I guess, like, whatever. But Freddie came in, Anderson, and was a stud, but yep. then he got hurt. So, I mean, you know how it is in the playoffs. If you have a guy like uh, Shashurkin who stands on his head and, mm-hmm. and rescues you a few games. But it was weird with the Canes. Like, they could not win on the road. I mean, literally could not win on the road and just relied at home. And I was at that game seven, and the fans, when they came in, I was like, oh, okay, this is going to be tough. I expect to – I, I never can go into a game seven expecting to win. It's just <laughs> too arduous to like be disappointed. Um, and the fans showed up and they were like, all right, it's Memorial day or whatever it was. Like, I guess we'll show up. Um, but this team now, I think they're still in that, like they're still in the world in the world series, uh, Stanley cup conversation. Of course. They're in the top four, whatever it is in the East. And it just, it's a, it's like one of those things like, are the penguins going to be completely healthy? And are they going to do – Sid just going to lead them to the promised land as he seemingly always does. Um, but they're in the conversation. It's a matter of they, can they stay healthy and can Freddie could return to what he was. But I love bringing in Brian Bur- Brent Burns and I love bringing in Pacioretty just to bring in a little bit more of, a, of an edge. Ajo, I was shocked at how, how much he kind of disappeared mm. because he is a stud. Like he is an absolute stud and you don't hear about him because he does play in Raleigh. Well, the the he scored the winning goal against the Rangers in one of those first games, and then all of a sudden disappeared. Since he, he was not good in the playoffs, but I was very surprised that Vegas let Max Pacioretty go. That was a terrible. Well, they had to like dump everybody. Yeah, that was horrible. <laughs> the, yeah. the Vegas, the Golden Knights are going to lose more money than the casinos at this rate. <laughs> <laughs> so the casinos lose money. <laughs> no, the house always wins, but yeah, exactly. still in some facet, it might combine for everything. Just how many casinos there are. There's only one hockey team. There's a, there's a ton of casinos. So maybe the combined value, but Vegas Golden Knights top all of how much money they'll end up trading away and then end up paying Jack Eichel, who's barely played for them. <laughs> what a, that's squirrely, huh? That kind of sucks for him. He was fun to watch. Mm. Whoever thought Buffalo would actually win a trade? <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> We're not talking about football. We're actually talking about hockey. Well, Buffalo, what a trade. At least we think. We'll never, we'll yeah, never yeah, know. Yeah. So my question is about the style of play we've seen in the playoffs so far. With with, with the Hurricanes, they had the Eastern Conference Finals run again uh, when they lost to the Bruins, but they took down some favorites in that run as an underdog. And then all of a sudden, since they've been a favorite, a lot of the issues have been kind of more passive. Do you see that kind of thing with Rob Brindamore and his coaching style? 
Um, yeah, I, mean, well, I saw it from the standpoint that they use the crowd to really juice them if they weren't the aggressor. But I, I think that's every sport, right? Like, if you're not on the attack and you're always kind of playing on your heels, you're eventually just going to get run over. And I think, and this is a boring answer, but I think every team, whoever you are, you need to play your game, whatever that is. And this is what drives me crazy to switch sports is the Yankees. Mm. The Yankees are a great regular season team. 100%. And I think that they're awesome in the regular season. But we're not built for the playoffs. So then we go to the playoffs and we're going to play this. You know, if we don't, we first of all, if we take Aaron Judge out of the lineup, forget about it. We can't do anything. But like, we're going to play a home run ball? Yeah. Like, no, it's not going to work. You got to have three, four studs on the mound. It's the same thing with, with hockey is if, if you're playing fast pace and that's your pace, play fast pace no matter what they tell you in the, in the playoffs. Like, you, you got to do what you do. Baseball is the anomaly in that, like, you have to have pitching. You, it's 162 games. It's, it's a very different breed. Uh, I mean, we saw like, what the avalanche did they played no defense really and were just skated past everybody and scored a billion goals to win and and that's the thing when you you bring up the yankees i think that's why everybody takes a shot at the yankees you know why they traded you know obviously montgomery i didn't like the move trading uh you know a guy like montgomery and see what he's doing with the cardinals right now but they brought in bader and and bader's played his first game as a yankee last night what a night for him unbelievable huh? and, and and tonight he's hitting and he's he, he's going to play a big part. If they have any chance in the playoffs, he's one of the best center fielders in baseball defensively, and he can hit for average and he can steal bases, something that the there, Yankees yes. are not very good at. Exactly. So I, I think, I, I think Brian Cashman understands how to win. The question is, do they have the pitching to, to, to hop over the Houston Astros? If they do, they could beat Astro, Houston. I think they could beat anybody in the national league. I think they have the power. And I think they have the offense to do it. So it, it really is. And, and, Listen, they have to get Giancarlo Stanton hot like he was the last couple of years. If he's hot, Aaron Judge is hitting, and then you're getting timely hitting from all the other players, I think the Yankees will be fine. I, I'm not really worried about them. I, I, one thing that worries me about them, and, and I'll say this again, and I know a lot of Yankee fans say I'm, I'm repetitive with this. The problem with the Yankees, it's not about the long ball. It's not about the players. It's not about the style. It's about their bullpen. And their bullpen has not looked good in the second half. Uh, ever since King got hurt, they have not yeah. been the same bullpen. And it's crazy how one player can transition everything in the bullpen. Um, I'm hoping that, uh, you know, if Zach, obviously Zach Britton comes back for the playoffs, which they say he is, and adding some of that, you know, starting, you know, starting rotation pitchers in that bullpen for long relief, I think that the Yankees will be fine starting Nestor Cortez, uh, Garrett Cole. You think, you think Nasty Nestor will be good in the playoffs? Like, 100%. Do you think he has a playoff arm? It's not about his playoff arm. I think he has the personality to go out there under stress in Yankee it's Stadium so when people are screaming at him. He's got that that Andy Pettit persona. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. it, it's who he is. I, I, I think he, he's going to go – into the play, I think if there's anybody to trust out of all of them, if it's Tayon and and Cole, Garrett Cole so far has shown me nothing in the playoffs. I'm sorry, he hasn't. He's a great pitcher, shown me I, nothing. He hasn't. The numbers support you entirely. Nothing, but I think Nestor Cortez, I, just because he's never done it before, and just who he is, being that like I guess you could say that that. That you know, like he's a sixth or seventh round guy. Nobody gives a crap about, you know. And people forget that the Yankees drafted him, and then he went to the Orioles. He went here, and then the Yankees brought him back, and he started to develop over the last two years. There's just something about who he is as a person that he, I think, if there's anybody to trust on the mound, like a Masahiro Tanaka, 
a guy that doesn't really care about what the fans are doing out there, it's him. And I, I, I think, yes, I think Nasty Nestor will succeed. I, I think it's Teon that scares me. I think it's Cole that scares me. And whoever the hell they put on the mount, whenever they decide to put him, I, I, it's just him I'm not worried about. How about this? Do you think there's a better chance they get swept in their first series or win the World Series? Ooh, that's a good question. I think it has. And I know a lot of people say this. Um, I am a Yankee fan, but I'm an honest Yankee fan. I think it's going to depend on how Bre- uh, Aaron Boone, I almost called him Brett, <laughs> Aaron Boone sets up his lineup. And, and, and I think you cannot set up your lineup like the regular season. If you have strikeout guys, you do not put them back to back to back. You have to right. put a you have to put a, a guy like Bader. If Bader's in that lineup, you put him in between, you know, uh, a John Carlo and an Aaron Judge. Anthony Rizzo strikes out a lot. He has a lot of power. So you put kind of Falefa in between him, a guy that can hit for average and steal bases. You need to strategically set up your lineup where it makes. And Josh Donaldson's another one. He is not a playoff player. Nope. If he can't hit. You do not put him in in the game two or game three. You make sure that you put the hottest guys out except your two your two studs. Aaron Judge and John Carlo have to be in the lineup. You you have to, but you got to spread them out. You cannot play them back to back, especially when one guy strikes out more than the other. So I, I think that's what they have to do. If they do that, I think they'll have enough pitching to win. I I don't. See, see, right now they're matched up with Seattle and Cleveland. Cleveland and Seattle. So whoever wins that series would play the Yankees. I think the, Seattle scares me, but Cleveland has the pitching to beat Seattle. And so far what we've seen in the second half with Seattle that I've noticed is Seattle depends uh, lately on the long ball. That's what they're depending on. And if they do what the Yankees do, the Yankees obviously have the advantage against them with the power. If they play hit for hit, the Yankees don't stand a chance against Seattle. So it really depends on who they play and who they match up against. And I think styles make games. And, and I, I think I, I think the Yankees have a better chance to beat Cleveland. But if they play Seattle in a seven-game series, I it's a five-game series in divisional, right? It's five games? No, it's yeah. a three-game for the first round, five yeah. games, seven games. Five yeah. games. So yeah. it's five games. Five games. Yeah. So I, I think being that the Yankees have the home field advantage – I will give it to the Yankees, but it'll be very, very close. And I, I still worry about some of the young power that they have in their lineup. That really scares me from Seattle. So I, Houston has a harder range. They got to play Toronto or uh, Tampa. I, I don't wish that upon them because Toronto's playing great baseball right now and they're getting timely hitting. And Tampa, you don't want to face that young pitching staff in that bullpen. So They've had two good series in yeah. a row, too. 2019, Astros won it in five, and then 2020, the Rays won it in seven. So I think, I think Houston's going to have a harder time getting to the, uh, the uh, ALDS than the Yankees do. So, oh, yeah, so that's why I think. I mean, I'm sorry for the long answer. But no, no, it's, I love Yankee talk. I don't get, get a lot of it out here. Yeah, well, it's a shame. Yeah, there's a lot of Yankee fans over there in Carolina. My friend yeah, – yeah. We have uh, – I, I go and visit friends out in Carolina um, where they live. I, I, uh, I, I'm very bad over there, but they live right by the water, and it's beautiful. It's Wilmington? It's, Will, yes, yes, yeah, Wilmington. Yeah, yeah. Wrightsville so Beach. Yes, so I go, I go visit my friends in Wilmington, and there, there are a ton of Yankee fans out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's so, a transplant city down here. I mean, yeah. you know, everyone's leaving New York. It's all screwed up. So <laughs> <they don't care. laughs> That's true. It does look like Long Island over there. It really does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, rush, the restaurants there are fantastic. Yeah. Real really, good. really fantastic. And the water over there, it's beautiful. It really is. Uh, uh, definitely a, a sight to see, but 
you know, I, I, there's a lot of Yankee fans over there, and I'm very surprised that, uh, you know, baseball isn't as popular over there as you would expect. I mean, that's we, who do we talk to? The minor league baseball guy. Uh, that owned the Charlotte, uh, yeah, Charlotte Rick team. something, yeah, a while back, yeah, the Charlotte Bats, I think it was, yes. was his team, yeah, mm-hmm. he's trying to advocate for baseball in Charlotte. It was Rick right. something, I, I forget his last about. name. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and we had him on the show, and he was, you know, really tallying with us, and and what I mean by tallying is he's, it's like, I uh, he's like baseball, baseball's growing down here. I was like, really, it's growing down there. I went down there to Charlotte. I don't know how they could support it. Was you know, it's always. I wish they would have it here. We yeah. have a AAA team that does very well from an attendance standpoint. But you're, you to the north, you got Washington and Baltimore. To the south, you got Atlanta, and everyone here is an Atlanta fan. I was just about to say that every yeah. time yeah. I was out there, I saw Atlanta Braves hats all over the yeah. place. I'm like, where the hell am I? I'm in Georgia. I'm in Atlanta. So it's crazy over there. It well, they really have some is. minor league teams in South Carolina, I think, too. So that's a carried oh, over. But the minor North leagues Carolina. are huge. Right? There's yeah. a lot within the state of North Carolina, too. I mean, shoot, you got the Bull and Durham Bulls. You got Kannapolis. You got you got a lot of you got a lot of really good talent um, in some of the smaller towns down here in the south. Last question for me: uh, How are you over there? I mean, do you like Charlotte? Is it is it something interesting? I know you're from obviously Speedy's way. Speedy is from Connecticut, just like you. Uh, so it it's it's crazy. I'm from Long Island, and Speedy moved down over here to work with me and learn the you know learn the game of radio, but. Uh, what is it like uh, moving down to Charlotte? I heard it's a beautiful city. I've been there once um, at a at an event. I was I'm a DJ, so I've been out to an event over there. It's beautiful nice. over there, the city. Um, what What are your thoughts to the city and the life over there from from where you're from? I love Charlotte. It's a young town, both demographically and the city trying to like figure itself out. You know, it's trying to it's trying to figure its identity out. Um, you know, New York's got its identity. Miami. California, you know, whatever city in California, Chicago, they all have their identity. Charlotte's still getting there. They don't have a, a food that's super popular, you know, bar, barbecue, obviously, to a degree. But that's more of a, kind of on the outskirts of Charlotte, to be honest, because Charlotte itself is such a transplant city. So many New Yorkers here, you know, so many Cowboys fans here. Oh, um, sorry to hear yeah, that. No. <laughs> I mean, there's just people coming from all. Honestly, a lot of major cities are coming here because it hasn't been kind of all screwed up quite yet. <laughs> and so they're they're, they're coming here and uh, it doesn't have that identity because of it. And that's why a lot of Panther, a lot of the um, there's not a ton of Panther fans here because they've only been around for 25 years. Mm. And everyone here has their team, What no matter who it might be, whether it's Shoot, when the Seahawks were here, they filled the stadium. When the Vikings are here, they filled the stadium. Browns filled the stadium. There's just people here from everywhere. But now we have the MLS, and I wasn't an MLS guy, but no one has, like, an MLS team. And so everyone here now is all on board with Charlotte <laughs> FC. And those games are a mess. Like, they're a zoo. They're so much fun. Win, lose, draw, no matter what. Like, the fan base is insane, wow. and it is so much fun. Just a huge party. So – I love it down here. The wet, I could do without the 96 oh, I hate it. throughout the summer. Um, but I love it down here. Weather is generally great. Uh, you're close to the water. You're close to Asheville in the, in the mountains. So you get a little bit of everything. And it's a really, really fun town and some really good restaurants, hmm. too. All right. My last question, you being my fellow Connecticut Rangers fan, well um, what is your best experience you've had as a Rangers fan, like in, in person, if you got to meet any players and also uh, expectations for this season coming up? I think this question, I wouldn't have known how to answer it until my wife looked at me. I came home, you know, during the playoff run and she goes, game seven, you want to go? I was like, 
I was like, I mean, yeah, I want to go. Like, do you want to go? You don't have to convince me. I got to now convince you that this was your idea. You know this. So we ended up going to game seven against the Penguins, that overtime winner. And it was me, her, and two buddies. And we had the – it was the most unbelievable sporting event. I've, and I went to the 2001 World Series against the Diamondbacks when Scott Roach hit that home run. I was at the game when Derek Jeter dove into the stands against the Red Sox. So that game against the Penguins, game seven this year, was unbelievable. You just couldn't reenact how loud and insane the Garden was that night. Hmm. Well, and I love him this year, but I, I get scared because, like, last year came out of nowhere. Like, that run was pretty awesome. And even though we lost, I was like, that was just the greatest run ever because it was unexpected. Yeah. And now I expect it. <laughs> so it it's, now it's cup or bust, right? Like, now, because next year was supposed to be our year. Last year wasn't really supposed to be our year. Next year's really supposed to be it, so I guess we'll find out. Well, maybe Vincent Trocheck, your former player, will save the day. Yeah, I mean, I love Vinny because we got to have something. Like, we can't lose every face off no. all the time. Yeah, except they got rid of Cop, who was actually pretty good at it. Yeah, so. Cop was exactly. Uh, I think the Rangers got worse this offseason. They got better. Really? Yeah. It's all right. There'll be less open nets missed because Ryan Strom's not on the team anymore. <laughs> well, that's true. I mean,. <laughs> He's an ex-Islander, so I'm not going to brag about that. But I never liked Ryan Strom as an Islander, and I, I laughed at the Ranger, some of the Ranger fans that told me, ah, you gave up a, a stud. A stud of what? I mean, <laughs> a, a guy that fans on open net? Good luck on that. I mean, seriously. But uh, I know a lot of the Ranger fans now, after seeing that playoff series, they almost throw up. But yeah. um, I, I, listen. I, I am not a Ranger fan, as everybody knows, and I, I, I love the excitement for Ranger fans, but uh, good for the city. Yeah, it, it's good for the city. I, I, unfortunately, I'm not from the city. <laughs> 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 I, but I love Ranger fans because I love going back and forth. I, I'll tell you something quickly. Um, every year, I go out with my friend, uh, the Beave, and we call him the Beave. He goes, we go out to Ranger and Islander games. So, I will not go to Madison Square Garden. Because if I go to Madison Square Garden, I probably am going to get locked up. Because <laughs> Ranger fans, they just, uh, you, you know, I am, I'm not one to hold back, okay? I, I wear my Islander hat. I wear my Islander jersey. I don't fear any of these Ranger fans. But for some reason, they, they nitpick me and they do stupid things. And I tell my friend, he's like, let's go to Madison. I say, I'm not going to Madison Square Garden with you. Or you're going to be nailing me out of that jail cell because I am going to be sitting there maybe up for murder. Because I'm going to be jumping on one of these Ranger fans and choking them. But we go to the UBS. Well, we haven't gone to UBS. We go to the Nassau Coliseum. This past year was the first year we didn't go to the game because it was the first year of the UBS. But we're going to the only Ranger Islander game at UBS this year. And I told him straight out, if the Rangers beat the Islanders this year, I am going to take you because we're going to be right by that. We're going to be right by the glass and I'm going to throw you over the glass <laughs> <laughs> like the, the, uh, the Panther fans did with the rats when the year of the rat was. And he says, well, that's, that's, that's harshful and all this that's other stuff. Impressive. I just, I can't, I can't fathom the Ranger fans. I, I just, they just, they're just like, not saying you, I'm not saying hey, Speedy. You're it's all right with me. It's, I'm not, I'm not taking shots. Like Speedy is a realist. He's, he's real Ranger fan. Ranger fans don't like Speedy because he is a realist. Um, I, I think that Ranger fans just, they look, they always look at the, the bright side of things when they should also look at the things that they have to look at. And in the offseason, Cooper, I mean, losing Cobb, Cobb. In the yeah. offseason, uh, lo losing 
losing the players that they lost. They lost uh, what's his name again? Vetrano. Vetrano. Yep. Yeah, I thought they were going to keep Vetrano, yeah. man. I thought that they were going to. Oh. I, I, I would have been fine with just keeping Cobb and that's not a trope check, too. Then you have two face-offs. Yeah, guys, but you, you lost Cobb. They you know, keep him You both, lost, for, you know, Vetrano. You, you lost all these different guys. And and Mott, you're probably going to lose, even though he's not signing But Ranger fans still think that he's going to sign with them. I don't think he is, but whatever. They're probably going to lose Mott, and he was a big part and a factor in the second half of the season for him. Um, I, I think the Rangers are worse than they were last year. And... We'll see because that division is really good. I mean, I'm interested to see what's going to happen because I expect all those teams except Pittsburgh to be better this year. So I don't expect Pittsburgh to be good, but it's like, (laughs) why would you ever expect that? You know, it's so irritating. (laughs) I love you, man. I love you, man. It's great. (laughs) We really appreciate you joining us as always, giving us the time and, uh, uh, hope for the best, and we'll have you on the show very, very soon. Uh, we're hoping that you enjoyed coming on this show, as always, and keep up the good work, man. We love what you're doing. Man, I appreciate you, boys. This was a blast. This was so much fun. Love to come on anytime. Uh, I, I love just the authentic talk. Oh, awesome. Um, as everybody knows, we were just talking to Fox Sports live host and reporter, Will Conkle, and I actually pronounced his name right. There you go. <laughs> yeah, not Kudakul. Listen, man, you're the one who wrote it down. I'm just trying to pronounce it. And I and I spelled it out just as he spelled it when he messaged me. So. Wow. All right. Uh, so I uh, blame it on me. It's my fault. It's always my fault, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, yeah, there you go. But uh, Will's awesome. He really is. Uh, we have we've had some great guests. Uh, Speedy, you you you're finding some good guests. Yes. Great guess. My, and now I have one, one that's a Connecticut Rangers fan, too. There you go. <laughs> a, a, a really big Canadian. Uh, I'm sorry. I almost said Canadian fan. By the way, it's so funny. The Canadians uh, in Canada, you are they're taking away the vaccination thing uh, in October. So you do not need a vaccination to go to sports games anymore. Oh, so already? they're, they're taking that away already, which is crazy. Good. So Mark Canna can play in the hypothetical Mets Blue out. Jays World Series. This is what I bow out. Thanks boys. I appreciate you. Now get ready for our show here. Yes. <laughs> thank you. Mark. Have a great thank show. You, Will. Will. Thank you. Thank Will. you. See you boys. Uh, Will Conkle. Fantastic. Yes. So now Mark Canna can play in. If the Mets and Blue Jays face in the World Series, and the small chance that happens, Mark Canna can play. There you go. <laughs> By October, they're saying. So yep. there you go. Beginning of October. 0.0002% chance the Mets Blue Jays World Series actually happens. <laughs> Could you imagine that does happen? <laughs> it almost did in 2015, but the Royals beat the Blue Jays in the ALCS. That's fun. I know. I, it's interesting. He he's a really nice guy. Yes, he was. He's a really really nice guy. He knows his stuff, and uh, happy to have him. Mm-hmm. So uh, we talked a lot about Aaron Judge. So we, we, you know, with the whole triple crown thing. And listen, we all understand that Aaron Judge has an opportunity to do something that very few players have done in the last forty years. Okay, only two players in the last almost fifty years has been a triple crown winner. And the last one was Miguel Cabrera. Okay? And if the season were to end today, he would be the triple crown winner. So the interesting thing here is, and I I respect what Josh said. He doesn't believe that this is the greatest, you know, greatest season a player has ever had. I beg to differ. If you win the triple crown and you win, you, you break the home run record. And I know he said that Barry Bonds has a home run record. I, I agree with him. The steroids should be allowed, but it's not. 
He's done two things that very few players have ever done. As a matter of fact, he'd be the first player to break Babe Ruth's record and Roger Maris's record. And he's one of how many players that have a triple crown? Yeah, it's not many. Seven? Yeah. Eight? The last, the last one before uh, Miguel 10? Cabrera was in 1967. And if you want to look at the National League, the last one to win it in the National League is 1937. So a lot of those guys that won triple crowns were like right in the start of the live ball era when Babe Ruth really transitioned the game that way with the power. 13. 13 total? 13 total. Uh, Sir Barton, Galant Fox, uh, Omaha. What? what, 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 Oh, I'm sorry. These must be all like dead ball era guys. No, this is. This is triple crown winners for, oh, for horse, horse racing. racing. Oh, all right. Baseball, now now we have to consult Chaz on that one. Hold on, hold on. Hold Chaz on. probably sorry, knows all those. sorry guys. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, while you look on. that up, I'll read. Uh, I'll read Steve's comment. Uh, Steve says, "Sorry, joining the discussion late. Haven't checked in with you guys in regards to the current state of affairs for the Jets. Not expecting much this season in terms of wins, though. I bet over five point five wins this season is where we get a good glimpse of the talent evaluating." of Joe Douglas. Beckton may end up being a bust, but a lot of potential hits at the skills position. Can't wait to see Zach take over the reins. It could help to get the help Uzama could potentially provide. All right. So there are more than 10. Okay. okay. Um, here are all the triple crown winners. And even the 1878s. 1878, Paul Hines, Tip O'Neill, Knapp, Lajari, Ty Cobb, Hines Zimmerman, Oscar Charleston, Roger Hornsby, Heavy uh, Heavy Johnson, Oscar Charleston again, Roger Hornsby again, mm-hmm. Oscar Charleston again. Well, Hornsby <laughs> was the first guy to hit 400, so that's not surprising. Mule Settles, Suttles, Willie Wells, Chuck Klein, Jimmy Fox, Lou Gehrig, Josh Gibson, Josh Gibson, uh, Joe Medwick mm-hmm. in 1937, Lenny Pearson in 1942, Ted Strong, Ted Williams, Ted Williams in 1947, Mickey Mantle in 1956, Frank Robinson in 1966, Carl Yershemsky in 1967, and in 2012, Miguel Cabrera. I'm surprised it was even that much. Wow. I, I would have thought it would have been like 20. Well, well in those times, there was very I know. There few, was a lot more yeah. in the 30s than I thought. <laughs> I mean, before Miguel Cabrera was 1967. 1967, the drought was for that for that long. So, I mean, in the National League, it's 1937. Medwick was the last one because he played for the Cardinals. And what's amazing about this is, is if you look at now, Miguel had he was batting 330, uh, 44 home runs, and 139 RBIs. It was a different time, and and the game is completely different. And if you look at the statistics uh, of the ten. Ten statistics that Aaron Judge is leading in. Miguel wasn't leading him in all of all ten of those mm-hmm. things. Right, because Mike Trout was right on his tail. Plus, that year. Aaron Judge is a, a game-changing defensive player. Right, and so that's Miguel Cabrera is not. never was. So that's the difference. And I, I think, as much as I think Miguel Cabrera and what he did was fantastic, and he had a fantastic year, by the way. I think it's even more impressive what Aaron Judge is doing. So yeah, Aaron Judge was a better all around year just based on that because Miguel Cabrera yeah. was playing first base or DHing a lot of the time because Prince Fielder was on that team too. So yeah. they platooned. One of them played first. I think he mostly played first Cabrera, but they platooned because Prince Fielder didn't. Uh, they let him DH sometimes and let Cabrera DH sometimes. And I think even Victor Martinez DH'd a couple times that year too if he wasn't catching. Um, the Mets, uh, the Mets, the Mets clinching a playoff berth. Uh, listen. 
Max Scherzer pitched a great game on his return. I expect the Mets to ride on the arms of Max Scherzer and Jacob DeGrom. That's, that's it. If the Mets have a chance to win a World Series this year, it's going to depend on their starting rotation and what Jacob does, what Scherzer does, and what Bassett does. And Bassett will pitch. He is the other guy. Yeah. He'll pitch at least one game, and you'll have probably either Jacob or Max pitching three and the other one pitching two. They're going to work their horses. They're going to depend on their arms, and that's how they're going to win. That's it. If they lose, it's going to be because of their arms giving up or, or they can't hit. You know, that's, that's really what the Mets are built to do. So I'm not surprised. I'm happy for the Mets fans. I am. I, I'm not a Mets hater. I want to see the Mets, uh, you know, play well. I would love to see Mets-Yankees in the World Series. It would be fun to watch. I know the Mets fans don't want to see that. Well, the Mets just want to get there first. I don't think they're really picky on who I they play think, in the World Series. I, I, everything that I've heard, Mets fans do not want to see. That. I, I, I would understand, like, maybe preferable to the other American League teams. The reason why I is... I think they'd rather have the Mets Mets in the World Series than the, not the Yankees because the Yankees have been there anyway, so they've had their time of saying, oh, yeah, you're not in the World Series type thing for all those uh, Mets fans that think like that. I think the Mets would still rather be there for the first time since 2015 with a lot more talent. And then what they had in 2015 overall and depth. It's interesting. Uh, Mike Evans suspended for next game versus the Packers for starting a fight uh, with Marshawn Lattimore. Everybody said that this was going to happen. I think you were talking about what Lattimore has done against him. Owned him yes. statistically in his career. Mike Evans had one good game against Lattimore in, I think, 10 total matchups. I, or nine, because I think one game he was out for the last I, I just think games, Lattimore yeah. is, you know, he has his number and he, he got frustrated. Uh, he said, if you listen to what Mike Evans said, Lattimore went after Tom Brady, tried to, you know, take a run at Tom Brady, and he was protecting his quarterback. If you watch the instant replay, he wasn't even close to Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 think, <laughs> I think the NFL looked at, you know, what he said and, 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 took, it, and took it for whatever it was worth and said, you know what um, – He's about five feet away from Tom Brady, and uh, he did nothing to Tom Brady. So I don't know what the hell this guy's talking I, yeah. about. Um, Fabricating some kind of story because you just want to get Lattimore ejected from the game so he doesn't have to own you like he does every single game since I like Lattimore Mike got Evans. drafted. I, He's a good player. Yeah. It's just it's one of the weirdest things, though, because Mike Evans has about a 35-pound size advantage on Lattimore, yet Lattimore, a smaller, faster corner, has owned him in his career. It's technique. I know that. Uh, he has his Technique. Which is why, which is why I've I've gone on record with a lot of our 49ers guests. Look at Darrell Revis. Yeah. Look at the years that he played Calvin Johnson and all those other guys and shut those guys down. Andre Johnson, bigger, stronger guys, and he just out dueled them. It's it's not really about strength and size. It's about technique and and really getting into these guys' heads. And Arshon Lattimore, he's a head seeker. Gardner, these guys, uh, Jalen Ramsey. These guys get into your heads, and once they're in your heads, they continue to pound and pound and pound and pound until they own you. But what Lattimore doesn't have is that physical, the physical like strength of Jalen Ramsey and Sauce and guys like that. Like he's a smaller guy, but like you said, the good technique, good ball skills that mm-hmm. has just worked on Mike Evans all the time. No matter, I, remember, I know where Lattimore's from. He's from Ohio State. Yep. He's a Buckeye. I and, don't know. Yeah, and that that draft too. That a lot of people said it was going to be one of the better corner drafts. Uh, he was the best one. He was the first one taken. He stood out a lot, mm-hmm. and he really has done well in those 
with those tough receiver matchups. He's a top 10 corner right now. He had one down year, one down year probably in 2019, but that was really it. And he's been very healthy in his career too. And in that particular game, going back to the actual altercation, like Mike Evans was definitely the one that started it. Yes, Lattimore might have done some trash talking, whatever you want to do it. But there wasn't anything physical. Mike Evans shoved him to the ground. I mean, that's not on him. And then Bruce Arians, who's now in the, he's not coaching anymore. He's in the front office, comes out on the field where he's not supposed to go. And all of a sudden they're going to be, investigating him because he's in the coaches and referee box screaming like he always does as a head coach horrible what well i don't know what's going on in tampa yeah tampa right now but again they're they're two and oh i mean they're two and oh because of their defense it doesn't matter they're two and oh they're two and oh so the lucky Jameis winston bailed them out because he was horrible they're bound tom brady's bound to figure things out i i don't think he's as bad as he has played so far i don't know at at this rate the bucks are looking a lot more like 2015 broncos than they are looking like 2020 buccaneers at this rate the way they're playing because their defense yes they played dallas in the first week but they still played well even when Dak prescott was in the game and then that game they rode really solely on defense it was 3-3 entering the fourth quarter and then Jameis winston throws a pick six and ex-Jet Brashad Perriman, of all people, gets a touchdown. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Uh, they're down to their fourth receivers because Mike Please. Evans is – Godwin's out already because he was hurt. Mike Evans was, <laughs> gets ejected from the game along with Lattimore. When's Godwin coming back? He could come back this week. It's still unknown. He had a, another ham, he had a hamstring injury in addition to the the injury he was covering from yeah, in the offseason. Yeah. So he, it was a miracle that he even came back in week one. Then he re-injured it. At, so he might play this week, but it's still not sure. Julio Jones did not play in week two either. So they were playing with Russell Gage – and Brashad Perriman mm. and one of their young receivers is like really their only guys because I think uh, I think Cameron Brait was out as mm. well. So like they didn't even have the tight ends to go to. That's why I think Tom Brady hasn't. I know he hasn't looked good, but either is Aaron Rodgers. No. And I, and I think both those guys are going to figure things out. They're too good. So if God, think about this. If Godwin doesn't play this week because Mike Evans is suspended. So you're looking at a matchup where the Packers' number one receiver will be who knows what. Probably Sammy Watkins or Randall Cobb or something like that. And the Buccaneers' number one receiver will be Russell Gage. And what is supposed to be a highly touted quarterback matchup. That'll be a big adversity test for both of them. Well, it's... Definitely interesting, and I, I know a lot of people are looking at, so far, some of the quarterback play. Uh, Derek Carr hasn't really looked as good as I thought he was going to look with, with the weapons that he has. Uh, Tom Brady, which everybody said, oh, Tom looked pretty good. He looks healthy. I mean, he did something to his chin, but uh, I, I don't know what's going on with him. Aaron Rodgers, obviously we knew that it was going to take a little while for him to figure out how he was going to attack teams with his wide receivers, but he hasn't looked good. Even though he put up a 27 last week, I still don't think it's the same Aaron Rodgers. The quarterbacks that have looked good, uh, Tua. <laughs> yep. Tua, Tua, Carson Wentz, and Joe Flacco. Top three in passing yards, just like we all expected. And Josh Allen. Yeah. I mean, it's right now, if, if the season were to end, Josh Allen's the MVP. He is. He's yeah. the best player right now. He's the best quarterback in football. Patrick Mahomes looked good. Yep. I mean, he has looked good, but... I, Josh Allen is just on a whole nother level right now. He, he, what he is doing is uh, offensively is incredible. He, and now, again, the last uh, he beat the Rams, which was very impressive. Yeah. Uh, but the Rams are still figuring things out of what their identity is with a new defense and new players. I don't think it's going to be that easy if they played again in the Super Bowl. Okay, and that right. could happen. Yep. You know, but. Um, I, I do believe that this Buffalo Bills team is for real. And I, I like their coach. I like his demeanor. I, I, I like – the only thing that scares me is their running game. 
Yeah, I, I which still didn't really get it going yeah. in, in the Monday night game. Not that, not that they needed to because Josh Allen was that good. They, but... If they find themselves a running back, yeah. you know, if they get themselves a free agent or a running back to come and play over there with Josh Allen. At least just something out. efficient. Like they're, they're, They haven't even been efficient yet. I mean, Singletary had flashes his rookie year, but since then has been kind of in and out with injury. Didn't they draft another running back? They drafted James Cook, Dalvin Cook's younger brother. So, But he's had some fumbling issues at the start of the season. Zach Moss came back uh, this week but was hurt in week one. Stinks. And he's had issues with injuries in the past too. So just if any of them can be efficient, because you look at a team like the Chiefs, like the Chiefs aren't supposed to have these great running backs either, but a lot of them show up in the playoffs. Look at, remember, Damian Williams mm-hmm. in the 2019. Both of us thought that he should have been winning Super Bowl MVP against yep. the 49ers. Mm-hmm. Jarek McKinnon last year played very well in the playoffs. Like they find random guys. So if Buffalo could at least do that, even they could they could even take it to that next level because sometimes it just seems like their running backs are just so inefficient too. And it, they're not going to get the volume as it is because Josh Allen will throw, and also Josh Allen runs himself. And so. the dominance of the AFC, there, there really isn't a lot of dominance. I mean, I, I mean the AFC East has looked like the more dominant division right now out of all the divisions. Yes, I mean, got to love those undefeated Dolphins. The AFC West has, you know, the Chiefs are 2-0. and I mean, the Chargers didn't look good against Chiefs. The Broncos have not looked good <laughs> in their two games. Even though they won, they beat the Congratulations. Texans. Congratulations, you beat the Texans. I mean, and you beat the, them 16-9. The Raiders gave up a, a big lead against the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, they're 0-2. They look horrible. Josh McDaniels. Um, you have the Titans 0-2. You have the Colts really should be 0-2. The Colts and the Broncos are basically the same. Uh, I mean, the Texans are same same thing. They don't have wins. And, and the Jaguars are 1-1. One one. Figure that one Congratulations. Out. You beat the Colts. I, I mean, the AFC, which we thought – I know it's still early, but we thought the AFC is so much better than the NFC. If you look at the NFC right now, they're, the Eagles and the Giants are 2-0. You have the Commanders one and one. You have the Cowboys one and one. You have the Vikings one and one. You have the Packers one and one. The Lions one and one. The Bears one and one. Buccaneers two and zero. Oh, Saints one and one. I mean, the Panthers and the Falcons stink. And then you have all the teams in the NFC West one and one. Honestly, right now, I know it's early. The NFC is still better than the AFC as far as what I've seen. They don't have the better teams and the better quarterbacks. But who knows what's going to happen at the end of the season. Well, the AFC, the difference is they have three kind of underwhelming teams so yeah. far. The Broncos, the Raiders, and the Bengals. Those, all, those three teams so far have definitely been down for what they're supposed to be. Now, the Broncos, yeah, they, they're one and one, so they have time to turn things around. Okay, that's fine. But they won 16-9 to nine and Bengals, still did not look good. The Bengals have looked horrible. The Titans looked horrible. Those two teams were in the playoffs last year. Yep. Okay? Then you have the Raiders, 0-2. They were in the playoffs last year, okay? And then you have the Colts, who everybody thinks will make the playoffs this year. They shouldn't even have a tie. They should have lost against the Texans. They played two of the worst teams in the NFL and practically lost to both of them. Congratulations, AFC South. You're going to have a good job, Ryan Hickey. You're, you're going to have a losing record. You're going to have a losing record division winner. Maybe the Jaguars win the division at seven. <laughs> I should reach out to Ryan and ask him how, how he thinks his Indianapolis Colts are playing. Yeah, he probably oh, has an idea God. of who. He, the horseshoes. So he he probably has an idea of who the next head coach should be already at this point. Not sprint. taking shots at the podcast, by the way. 
I'm just taking shots at the Indianapolis Colts. Well, all those teams, the Colts, we'll have the Colts in that mix, too. The Colts, I would say outside of the Titans, because I think Rabel's a good coach, but the Colts, the Bengals, the Broncos, and the Raiders have all very questionable coaching right now. Zach Taylor with the Bengals, I don't know what his play calling is offensively. He's getting Joe Burrow in such, I know the offensive line's struggling, too, but he's not even trying to help Joe Burrow with giving him some quick plays and stuff like that. It's one, Joe Burrow is one hit away from possibly missing the rest of the season. Yeah, that's a scary thing thought and Zach Taylor did that to him last year too where he was having him hold the ball so long because he had all these elaborate just weird plays in the red zone that almost got him hurt against the Chiefs it's not going to be simple against the Jets either because now you have sauce you know probably taking Jamar Chase uh, who's twice the size of Jamar and can run with Jamar and uh, what's his name again um, you have DJ Re- now you could put DJ Reed on Jamar Chase because he he's smaller and he can keep up right. and you put uh, Sauce could be on T. Higgins T. for the Higgins, size. Yes. Yeah, I could see that because Higgins is a big guy too. Yeah, so, so he could put they could put him on T. Higgins. I, I mean, Boyd Boyd might be the odd man guy, but then right. you have Michael Carter, who you could take it. One thing that worries me about the Jets is is their safety play. It's been horrible. It yeah. has been horrible. Yeah, that's where I think the Bengals still could maneuver it because I will give Zach Taylor credit in this regard. I've been questioned of his coaching even last year, even though they went to the Super Bowl. The one thing they've known how to do well is maneuver Jamar Chase did where they you, keep him off the top receivers. Did you know that Whitehead corners. was Darrell Reeves' cousin? No, really? Did you know that? No, I didn't. Yes. he that's is crazy. He is Darrell Reeves' cousin. Wow. His younger cousin. Mm. And There's some extra incentive to bring him in. That, I I guess I was watching uh, Jets Drive, and I was listening. They did an interview on him, and he, and then they started talking about Darrell Revis and how Revis was his cousin. Wow. They're like second cousins or something like that. Damn. And, uh, you know, he grew up, you know, watching his cousin play in the NFL. Wow. That's, that's an interesting fun fact. And played for the Jets. I, I'm surprised that was never brought up when Sauce was drafted, too. Like you, or, not, Sauce. Not, not Sauce. Whitehead. Whitehead. You know? Whitehead was signed by the Jets. I, I would, I, I, it was never brought up when he signed there. I'm surprised. Uh, Snuck says, Joe Mama hit 399 in 1931. Mickey is a game-changing buffet player. Who would have thought the Mets would have clinched before the Yankees? Uh, Mets, the toast of NY. I hope Speedy shares a drawing of the tattoo he is planning for the Mets World Series celebration. All right. It has to happen first, Snug. All hail the Brady Goat. Sometimes I, during the offseason, Lattimore and I sit outside Mike Evans' house making menace. Mike throws eggs at us. Breaking news, Green Bay gets Rodgers receiving help. Packers signs Sterling Sharp. Surprised he was available. By the way, Judge is up, ladies and gentlemen. He's two for four. Uh, is this the time? A chance to hit, probably his last chance tonight. Yeah. To hit 61 and tie Roger Maris's record in Yankee. Well, in the new Yankee Stadium, not uh, the house that Ruth built, which I still don't understand why they knocked down that stadium. Snuck says, Cowboys going straight to the Super Bowl, easy win. Yeah, okay. Cooper Rush, good luck. And the Cardinals won, beat the Raiders at OT. I will say this. Kyler Murray probably had the greatest play extension I've ever seen on that on that touchdown. Mm. <laughs> the last touchdown to before the two-point conversion. The two-point conversion was insane, too. But that tw- it was a 20-second play extension. Kyler Murray was able to escape and then eventually run it in on the touchdown that uh, w- uh, that 
tied it after with the two-point conversion to force overtime. Absolute insanity. Now, I criticize Josh McDaniels of the Raiders all the time with that. That's on the players. Like, how do you not tackle that kind of thing for 20 seconds? Mm. That's an ultimate coverage play. Good, kudos to the secondary. And then you don't, you just can't tackle him. You can't adjust to that kind of thing. I, Russell Wilson had one insane one against the Vikings in their playoff game in that one in the snow. And I thought that was the longest one I saw. And then Kyler Murray runs around for 20 seconds, three yards forward, 10 yards backwards, into the end zone to tie the game. So everybody knows Stout looks like he's pitching around Aaron Judge. It's 3-0. and yeah, I don't think he's pitching. He doesn't want to be the guy to allow it. <laughs> I mean, who wants to be the guy to allow this? But it, 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 we'll tie. I, I'm talking about, I mean, breaking Roger Maris's record is different. I mean, tying it is different, too. But you hear about that yep. ball. Ball four. You, you hear about that ball that was hit last night. The kid um, the kid gave Aaron, Aaron Judge the ball, and, and Aaron Judge signed a couple of bats. And, nice. And, and Jersey. I'm, Listen, that ball is going to be worth two, three hundred thousand yeah. dollars. I, I do not give that ball away. Well, yeah, what it is is it's because it was not the, it was not the tiebreaker. Maybe that's what the factoring in was. That maybe ball is going to be worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. I and agree. If you're, but... if you're, if you're a kid who has not that much money, I would have nailed the Yankees. Yeah, that's the difference of being a kid. You're not going to know that kind of thing when it comes to the value of that. It's not one of the, like, even, I know it's a movie, but even looking at something like the Sandlot, like, the kid didn't know how valuable that ball was, the Babe Ruth signed ball. It was just, it was something like that. Something like this in a milestone-type year. Look at all the Yankee fans now leaving after Aaron Judge. <laughs> well, yeah, that's what they were saying for it. I mean, obviously, they're, odds are they're not going to bat around. It's where Judge is going to be up again. No. With one out right now, Rizzo at the plate. So, that would be the only chance of getting him at bat because obviously the Pirates are going to come back. So Well, they just took him out. He had, they, have a, they have somebody taking him on the base. Oh, okay. Well, then so he's, not, he's done. he's done anyway. All right. So. He's done anyways. Yeah. So. Yeah. You're not yeah. going to see him. You have, to, sa- you have to save him up to get the record. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe maybe the Yankees are trying to have it that way where he gets it against the Red Sox. Uh, we'll see. Um, that would be something. Anyways, uh, yes. And Snug says that kid was stupid, too. I, I would agree. Yeah, with him, he's yeah. a kid. He's not going to know that kind of thing. That was a very right stupid now. move by him. I hold on to that ball. And I would negotiate a deal where I'm getting as much as I possibly can from the Yankees. Absolutely. The Yankees probably would have given him two, three hundred thousand dollars for that ball. That ball is a special Easily. ball. That that ball is going to the Hall of Fame. That ball is a special, special ball. Every single one that's going to go up and up and up from here. Oh yeah, it's uh, going to be even the more. sixty-one it's be is double. Sixty-one's going to be like a million dollars. Millions, yeah. And the 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 breaker for for the record, which I believe is the record, is going to quadruple that. Yes. So, and I who doesn't want to catch that ball? Correct. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I might go to Yankee Stadium and try to catch the ball in the bleachers. <laughs> yeah. I'll just try to try to I'll try to the choke game people. where it happens. I'll and... try to choke everybody. Oh, yeah. Get well, the hell out of my... See, I believe you could do that. The question is, are you going to predict the right game? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that, I mean... That's what, that's what these, the Yankee fans that are going to just try to randomly start buying these tickets are going to say, are we going to actually get the right game? Now, yeah, I do believe you'll be able to get in the way of somebody trying to go for the going for the ball with your strength, but are you going to get the right game? That'll be the question. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to scare people. I'll, I'll be like... I'll I trust like, you to do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I probably would, but uh, nevertheless, it, it's definitely funny. Suck says, his dad would have snatched the ball and said, guess what? College is paid for. Uh, yeah, that kid was stupid, and I'm very stupid, and I know stupid that was that as stupid as throwing away a cupcake. Yes, except there's going to be no cupcake that's going to be worth anywhere close to where that ball is. <laughs> that ball's going to be worth. I feel bad for the kid, you know, because the kid was probably pressured. Yeah. 
and uh, you know, getting the chance to meet Aaron Judge is something that you you always cherish, and probably got some pictures and somebody hit a home run. Who's that? Uh, Glaber. Glaber Torres hits the home run. <laughs> uh, this game's going out, getting out of hand now. Three mm-hmm. run home run. What is it? Fourteen to three. Fourteen to two right now. Oh, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's twenty third. He's hitting home runs too. I mean, yeah, he's had a nice, Yankees, he's had a nice surge. He was, he was kind of stuck to, at fifteen for a while. Now he's had a surge. The Yankees are going to have to decide what they're doing with him too soon. You yep. know, I think he's arbitrating this year. This and, is his fifth year. So yeah, next year will be an arbitration year. So and then he's a free agent. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be interesting what they do with him. Yeah, now Josh Donaldson will come up and get an out to rally to kill to kill the potential chance of batting around, even though Aaron Judge is out of the game anyway. Yeah. So let's um, <laughs> let's finish up. We'll we'll go through the games this week, and uh, tomorrow, obviously, we'll go through all the games and give you our picks. And where are we at with our? Oh, picks? I haven't looked at the picks yet. I know you're in the weekend crunch lead. I haven't checked our other That's ones. Right. You're in the weekend crunch lead still yes. because we we we. I think I'm up by two now because the. Yes, you are because Buccaneers. we had two we had two games we agreed on, so that washed. And then the, the Saints Buccaneers. just didn't know how to play offense in the fourth quarter That's right. and rally for their teammate Marshawn Lattimore. I'm up two, baby. Yeah, James and I think instead we're looking at you. I think my regular picks are um, up uh, up with you too. I mean, this week I, I, I did very well. Yeah, I, I would imagine so, but I'm, I'm not a hundred. I picked the Giants. Sure. You didn't. No, I, I didn't. I, I know I got – the only one I know I got, I got Arizona, you didn't, and you yes. had the Raiders. That was the only one I – I picked the Raiders. I, that was the only right. one I I remember. thought the Raiders were going to win. Yeah. Well, they should have, but then they didn't know how to tackle, so. And, uh, that's McDaniel's fault. Great coaching, by the way, Coach. Uh, that's a – Hey. How to catch Kyler Murray. Oh, yeah. wait, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's go through the game. Speedy, you're first. Go ahead. All right, so – We'll start with the Miami Dolphins at the Baltimore Ravens. We're talking about the Jets come back, another big one Unbelievable. in the East. The Dolphins against the Ravens secondary. That was something insane. They were down 35-14. to 14. Lamar Jackson had that 75-yard touchdown run, and then that was it for the Ravens, really, after that. Tua Tagovailoa, you mentioned him leading the league in passing yards. He was able to get both receivers involved. Jalen Waddell had to hit probably his best game of his career. Tyree Kill had a, another massive one, too. Mike Kosicki had his first touchdown of the season. Really something you, I never would have expected against that Ravens secondary. Yeah, they got too conservative too early, and their offense, I don't know what they were doing in the second head in the fourth quarter after that Lamar touchdown. But. Just so everybody knows, Glaber Torres hit two home runs in the same inning. So he, he was up twice in this inning and hit two home runs. Mm. So he's the first player since Alex Rodriguez to do that. Yeah. Um, Miami and Baltimore. Well, I thought Tua was going to have a bad game. He threw two interceptions in the first half, but then in the second half, exploded. Uh, oh, he threw, I think, over 600 yards in this game. Yeah. I mean, four, uh, six touchdowns. I mean, unbelievable. Uh, uh, Waddle had one of those games. I think he had four touchdowns in the game, or three touchdowns. Yeah, two touchdowns, but 173 receiving yards. I, I mean, it's ridiculous. And 11 it, catches. I mean, it's like, um, like a video game numbers. It was fantastic. I mean, Tua's showing that he, he, he could be... He could be a good quarterback in this league. He's going to have to do it consistently. If he does, I think they're going to be fun to watch. Baltimore completely choked. Did exactly what the Jets did to them, uh, that they did to the Jets the week before. So uh, I think, uh, you know, the cost is uh, sitting on John Harbaugh and what he did in his coaching uh, in the second half of that game. So um, I loved what I saw. I, I think Miami is going to be a dangerous team throughout the season. They really are. And I like their coach. I really do. I think small, weird, uh Definitely not good at the press conferences, but and you you could never tell that that guy's a coach, okay? 
he doesn't look like a coach. <laughs> he really he looks like one of those science nerds. I think I, 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 one of our Dolphins guests did mention. I think he has some kind of speech issue though. So he looks like a science nerd. Yeah, you know what I mean. He lo- he looks like a guy that creates rockets, not coaching football teams. Oh, okay. We said the same thing about Matt Patricia in the other extreme. Well, so. <laughs> Matt, Matt Patricia did not look like a defensive coordinator. He looked like some guy that built some fusion bomb or something like that. Well, he wore a hat all the time. This guy actually looks like you know, yeah, glasses. Right. He looks like. He's five foot four. He, he looks like he's never played football in his life, and he's right now two and zero as a head coach in the AFC East. So there you go. All right, moving on. The Detroit Lions thirty six. The Washington Commanders twenty seven. Lions had a big lead and then almost blew it, but some big plays here and there. I love the Lions. The, Amon Ross St. Brown really taking a big Fantastic. leap as a young wide receiver. Yeah. We were talking about a lot of the rookie wide receivers last year with Chase and Waddle, but he was the one of the under-the-radar ones, loved by the fantasy community a lot of the time. By the way, he, he came out and said that he he's he believes he's the best one out of all of them. Yeah, well, you know, a little more to go for that, but still looking, looking every bit not far behind and leading this Lions offense. The running game has looked good once again. Defense was great in the first half. I think really did a good job of taking away Terry McLaurin, and that really rattled Carson Wentz for a while. They kind of took their foot off the gas in the second half, let Washington get back in a little bit, but held on for their first win. Dan Campbell's done a very good job with this team. I love everything about the Lions. Jared Goff, who has made a believer out of me this year, I think leaving the L.A. Rams was the best thing that ever happened to him because he doesn't have to answer to the Sean McVay. Sean McVay doesn't have to call the plays at the line of scrimmage, and I think he's taking over this team. He's the leader of this team, and you can see the different difference of this team. Hutchinson was fantastic. Three sacks. Uh, he, he was flying all over the field, and that, this is why everybody said he could be the best defensive player of the draft class, but I love what I saw with the Lions. I think the Lions could be very, very dangerous in a division that's very, very open right now, as we saw what happened on Monday Night Football against the, uh, you know, the Vikings. So the Vikings getting their butts whipped. Yeah, that was not pretty. No, Speaking of not pretty, the one team that got shut out this week, the Indianapolis Colts, losing to the Jaguars 24 They nothing. look, out of all the teams that we talked about that could be good this year, they look the worst. They look horrible. How do you get shut out by the Jacksonville Jaguars? Yeah, not even the Jets could do something dumb like the that. The Jaguars, who are not supposed to have a load of defensive talent, made your offense look silly. Yeah, okay, Michael Pittman didn't play. I understand that. You still have other receivers. You still have a good offensive line. You have a coach that's supposed to make these random guys You're work. The best running back in football on your team. You did this with less talent in 2018. It still made it work. Why can't you do it now? All of a sudden, you can't do it now? It makes no sense. Uh, credit to the Jacks of Jaguars. Pass rush, I think, did a good job in this game. Uh, James Robinson looked like he rebounded. Josh Allen nicely. was a beast. Josh Allen looked good. Beast. Uh, on the offensive side, I think James Robinson, this was his best game since his injury. I think he really looked like that running back he was in 2020 once again. Uh, receivers, they're spreading out, spreading him around again. And I think Trevor Lawrence did a good job at that once again. I like what Peterson is doing, too. Yeah. Peterson, I think, is doing a good job at switching off the different style of wide receivers, yes. too. And Trevor Lawrence. And getting the most out of Trevor Lawrence, right. a rookie quarterback. And while his stats haven't looked great no. yet for Trevor Lawrence, I think he's doing some of the little things. He's not making mistakes. Yeah. And that, that's the most important thing. And when you're not making mistakes, you're giving your, t- chance, your team ch- a chance to win. I, I like what I see. Uh, the, I mean, you said it right, Speedy. I, I don't really have to say any more than that. I, I, I don't know what's going, up, going on with Indianapolis, but they better figure it out because Frank Wright, Frank Wright is on the clock right now. He could be looking for a job at the end of the season. Matt Ryan could be retiring, and this team could be rebuilding just as fast as they started. So I don't know what's going on with this team. 
All right, so we talked about the Bucks Saints already. We talked about Panthers Giants, uh, Patriots Steelers. Patriots win low scoring, seventeen to fourteen. Not surprised. Very sloppy game for both for both teams. A lot of dropped passes from their wide receivers, I think. And when you're looking at the the Steelers offense, the way it's built, the Patriots took away Najee Harris, like we expected. How do you them to give do. the Patriots a chance to win that game? I mean, yeah, and you're it, a better team, even though the P- Pittsburgh Steelers have weaknesses. They do. Uh, you're better than the Patriots. How do you let the Patriots beat you? But you could definitely tell, even with the Patriots offense not being great, the Steelers, without without much of a pass rush with their defense, it definitely shows a little bit of diminishment still. The Patriots are still able to get key first downs. They were still able to move the ball. They saw the midfield a lot, and I think... Losing T.J. Watt, they haven't been able to replace that production in terms of a combined production standpoint. Because they've since Bud Dupree went to the Titans, they've had trouble kind of getting that second pass rusher. And now with T.J. Watt out for probably half the season, can they even get a number one type guy? And that secondary is definitely not the same if they could show it. They showed it against the Bengals in the first half when Watt was healthy, but not in the second. I have no idea how the Pittsburgh Steelers with the Patriots win this game. This isn't the same old Patriots. This, this isn't a dominant team. And this could be a year that the Jets could win at least one of these games against the Patriots, maybe even both of them. I, I, don't, I do not fear the Patriots. I really don't. I think there's a lot of weaknesses of this team. I don't think they're any good. I think they have good running backs. That's about it. Their defense is skeptical, to say the least. And, and even though they did play well, they played well against Mitchell Chubitsky. Okay? Uh, that's not something to scream about. So there you go. All right, on to the 4 o'clock games. This is a weird one. The L.A. Rams hang on and beat at the Atlanta Falcons 31-27. Their special teams for the Rams. What is almost, going on with the Rams defense? Thro- the, the Rams defense, also their special teams, almost threw that game away. Jalen Ramsey looks horrible. Jalen Ramsey looked bad in the second half of this game, looked really bad against the Bills in the whole game. And the rest of their their secondary has not played well either. And Atlanta exposed a lot of key areas. I think the biggest thing is they've had trouble in those slot areas, which is a big problem for them. You would think Bobby Wagner would have aided that so far, too, but he could only do so much. And Atlanta exposed that. Cordero Patterson had a nice game. Drake London in the slot had a nice game. Almost everyone came back and win, but the they Rams... They put Jalen Ramsey on, 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 on camera. Um, I'm sorry, Drake. Um, what's his London. name? Drake London. And he couldn't even stop Drake London. He's just a rookie. I know. Okay. London's actually looked pretty good against the corner so far. He has which looked is, good. Because he, he actually had a nice a couple of nice rounds against big. Lattimore, too. I don't know what's going on with Kyle Pitts, but they got to figure They're out. They're barely targeting him. Kyle Pitts. They, they have to bring him into the game. He is yeah. too good of a player. Whatever's going on, he's your best player, and you're not targeting him at all. That so. was Yeah, that was something I'm surprised that you didn't really take advantage of. Because that, that, if you look at the Rams, the way their defense is built, I know Bobby Wagner's there now, but... Their slot areas, safeties, slash corner depth is something that you should have been able to expose more. They did that with Patterson a lot, but they really weren't able to do it with Pitts, which I'm surprised at. So that's the one thing. Outside of a very good offensive game plan besides that for Atlanta, in the second half, they really didn't do much besides that with Pitts. So a weird game. The Rams hang on. Uh, 49ers blow out the Seahawks, but lose Trey Lance. That is a big Best blow. thing that ever happened to them. Really? Best thing that ever happened to them. I'm telling you right now. Jimmy Garoppolo taking over the reins was the best thing. This this gives them a chance, I believe, that they can go to the Super Bowl this year. They're too talented. I don't think Trey Lance is the answer right now. I think he has a long way to go. He's still a little wet behind the ears. Jimmy Garoppolo is the guy. I think he could take them to the promised land. And if he wins the Super Bowl this year, or even gets them to the Super Bowl this year, how could you start Trey Lance next year? You'll have to re-sign Jimmy G. He's, been, he's taking you to an NFC title game. He's taking you to the Super Bowl. And he takes you to the Super Bowl again. Even if you lose, he's he's still good. He's still a good player. What the hell are you doing? 
I, I think this was the best thing that ever happened to the 40s. Well, in the short term, it might be. In the long term, you definitely don't want that kind of ankle injury for a mobile-type quarterback that's 22 years old. But nevertheless, they also lose uh, their rookie running back, Teron David-Price, in this game, too. They just signed Marlon Mack to the practice squad. So the Niners' injury bug definitely getting them right now. Still no George Kittle in this game. But uh, ideally, Seattle had the letdown game after they beat Russell Wilson in the revenge You'll game. see George Kittle this week. Probably he was practicing today, which is a good sign for and them. And Jimmy G's love. They're gonna need. They're gonna need. If you're all a Kittle owner, if you're a Kittle owner in fantasy, you know Jimmy G loves to throw to him. So yes. uh, I think you'll be very happy that Jimmy G is now the quarterback of this team. Well, they're gonna have to hope they can just get another element from this offense because their running backs are banged up and tight end play is okay without with Kittle. Maybe back, they're really all on the wide receivers to be able to do everything. They were able to get away with it in this game. We'll see if they can in the future. Uh, another weird one. How the hell did the Cowboys beat the Bengals 20-17? to um, Cooper Rush? <laughs> Are you sure? Oh, yeah. He's, the, he's, the, he's, the, he's a top-tight quarterback in the league now for Cowboys fans. No, I, I don't think the beef thinks that. He was very upset that the Cowboys won. <laughs> oh, he's, he's on full tank mode now? Oh, uh, yes. He wants a quarterback. Um Really, it's the defense. I, I mean, the Cowboys' defense rained hell on the Bengals. I mean, by the way, Micah Parsons, he's the real deal, man. That guy is really good. He is fun to watch every way possible. You put him on one side or the other side, put him in the linebacker, you put him in the middle, he can stop the run. This guy's all over the place. I love, I like Coop, I like Ash. I like, I like everything that I've seen on this defense. The Cowboys' defense is an elite defensive team, and if they can keep playing the way they are, I, I think they – even without Dak Prescott for the next three or four or five weeks, however long he's out, I think you can win three or four of these games. Now he's coming back in three weeks, according to Jerry Jones. But if he does, uh, and, and you can win with Cooper Rush and win three out of the four or two out of the four, I mean, that's pretty good. Yeah, and you wonder at this point, too, whether it could become that kind of defensive team in the long term. But so far, so good. I think their other pass rushers, too, have really played well around Micah Parsons, which is something that I was concerned with coming into the beginning of the season. Yes, the Bengals' offensive line has been bad. But they are also doing against the Buccaneers, too. And the Buccaneers have good tackles. So they... They found ways to make it work and be a defensive team for now. Their running game still hasn't gotten it going yet, but Tony Pollard did have a long receiving touchdown, so maybe they get him involved. But they're going to have to hope their defense can weather the storm. As for the Bengals, Zach Taylor, I don't know what he's doing right now, coaching-wise, and just getting Joe Burrow hit. And if they can't run the ball either, that's going to be a big problem. Joe Mixon had a rough one in that they one, too. They a problem with that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, uh, t Broncos and the Texans, 16-9. to The Broncos win, but still don't look good. Who cares? Yeah. Who Nathaniel cares? Hackett, I don't know what you're I, doing. Here's what Nathaniel Hackett has to do. He's already getting booed by his own fans. Oh, it's great. They're, they, the fans want him out. If he goes on a losing streak at any point this year and they lose two or three games in a row, watch out. I, I think they fire Nathaniel Hackett. Their clock management has been so bad. Oh. The Broncos fans in the stands on Sunday were actually counting down the play clock. They were helping him out. So they're auditioning to become the next Broncos head coach already. It's horrible, right? Uh, I feel bad yeah. for them. Uh, moving on, the Cardinals come back. They beat the Raiders 29-23. to The Raiders up 23-7 to midway through the fourth love quarter. It. And then they forget how to tackle, and they forget how to love, rush the passer. love what Kyler Murray said at the end of the game. I, I love it. I, cocky, egotistic, he says, you know, I had to, you know, I had to beat Kyler Murray. You know, I had to be, I had to be the, the, the game savior, you know? You know? I had yep. to go out there and do what I do best. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Which what you did. I do best. Which you Not did. Not what the team does best, but I do best.
Which he did with Could two of the most insane players. Could you imagine what those players in the locker room say? Uh, they're saying about him, by the way. I, I would probably not like that. But, but still, you have to look at him with the two of the most insane play extensions I've ever seen on the touchdown and then yeah, on the two-point conversion. The first two-point conversion was just to say, remember, they're down 23-7, to seven, so they need two two-point conversions in order to get there, and they were able to get both of them. Yeah. Not on the hands of the play calling, because that didn't look good in the red zone either. They had to really struggle to get there. They had one play extension to get away with, a, uh, not get away with, but draw a pass interference in the, in the end zone to get a first down, and then they got the touchdown later. So, a lot of insanity. This is the one element I will Get, say for the Cardinals defense though they were able to limit Devontae Adams though Devontae Adams in this game just two catches he had a touchdown but just two catches for 12 yards you got to give the defense credit there too yes absolutely. a big difference in that one all right Sunday oh, night football he's gonna regret not he's going to regret not being with the Green Bay Packers I'm telling you right now and speaking of the Green Bay Packers they get their first one of the year 27 to 10 over the Chicago Bears Justin Fields okay I have to say this at the end of the game do not I repeat do not attack the fans. You are stupid. You have the fans hearing what you said at the end of the game only tells me one thing. You're not going to be there long. Do not attack the fans. That's all I'm going to say. No, I said that in our NFL prediction segment, so don't be surprised if the Bears go 3-14 and that Justin Fields has to be traded. So that wouldn't surprise me in the bit, but he didn't play well either. 70 yards and an interception. The running game tried to save the Bears for a little while. It looked like they were coming back in the third quarter. David Montgomery, a nice game, but that was really it. Packers, much of the same. It was Aaron Jones, 132 yards and a touchdown. A.J. Dillon, 61 yards. Not efficient, but... Uh, good enough. And then Aaron Rodgers was good. Uh, 240, 234 yards, two touchdowns, considering the wide receivers he has. Sammy Watkins leading the way with 93 yards. And, and I'm reading a story that Fields clarifies the remark, says he didn't mean to offend the fans. The fans don't give a crap. <laughs> okay, if you're attacking the fans and you're losing, it doesn't benefit you. And you'll be looking for a new job at the end of the season if you keep it up. Because if you're... if, if the, if the Bears are one of the worst teams or they're top three worst teams and they have a chance to get Bryce Young or any of the top young quarterbacks in this class, they'll move away from you, bud. It doesn't matter. It, it, it's, it's a big mistake. I, I don't know why he opened his big mouth. Speaking of teams that need quarterbacks, the Tennessee Titans might be looking for a lot of things as they get blown out by the Bills 41-7. to I don't care if Malik Willis is on that team. First of all, they, they have to see what they have with Malik Willis, especially sure. at, the se- at the end of the season because if you need to go after a quarterback and you need to go fishing for a quarterback, you, you might as well know what you have with Malik Willis. So yeah. that's all I'm going to say. I mean, th- there was not an element of the Titans that looked good in that game. The defense was rough. Big plays. It was supposed to be something they pride themselves on. Congratulations, you stopped the run. But the Bills didn't run much anyway, so there's no no need for that. Buffalo, they look like the best team in the NFL right now. Really don't have a flaw outside of the running game. And then the last game, the Philadelphia Eagles putting on a defensive clinic. And they destroy the Vikings 24-7. One player put on a defensive clinic. Do you know who I'm talking about? Slay. Slay. Finally, a healthy Slay who everybody knows about. Why Philadelphia made that trade with the Lions. Finally, he's healthy, and he shut down, one. I think, the best wide receiver in football right now. And that just shows you what Darius Slay could do. Mm-hmm. I mean, this team could win a Super Bowl. They have the defense, and they have the offense. And, by the way, you were right. I, I'm surprised. Jalen Hurts is having a good season. He, mm-hmm. he really looks good. I don't see them looking for a quarterback in this draft class. I don't. I think Jalen Hurts is the answer. I think he's a better Michael Vick. 
Yeah, I think he is. It might be at this rate because he's also doing well with the tight window throws, which is something that he wasn't great at last year. Another Alabama quarterback. Uh, well, well, Alabama slash Oklahoma. So disclaimer Just on that. Saying. But but that'll help. That'll help Mark's theory of Alabama quarterbacks are all better than Ohio State quarterbacks. But I don't know. Well, well that's another conversation for another Tua, time. Tua, Hurts. I mean, there you go. Ah. Yep. I don't know. Two Alabama quarterbacks. <laughs> yep. Jeff might have a tough time coming back at that argument, but nevertheless, the Eagle, the Eagles, I think. Oh, yeah. oh I'm sorry. Mac Jones, too. Yeah. <laughs> no. no. He's not have a good season. No, he, he doesn't count. Jeff, Jeff still wanted David Collins, <laughs> who, by the way, did look good on, in that game against like, true. the Raiders. But going back to the Eagles, I think they played a very complete game as a whole, though, too. You saw their running backs get involved. Not Again, not in a super, like, volume way, but efficiency way against the Vikings run defense. They did very well last week against the Packers, and I think they were very creative, and I think they did a lot of different things to throw the Vikings off defensively, too. In the middle of the field, I know Slate dominated Jefferson, obviously, but also the coverage schemes really threw off Kirk Cousins in the middle of the field where they really only were throwing to the outside, too. And that forced Cousins to have to force it in the red zone. He had two interceptions in the red zone because they really just took away the middle of the field so well, which is not like the Eagles because the Eagles, that was a big weakness for them last year. But all those linebackers they brought in, they brought in Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. That'll do it for them. And that was a clinic they put on defensively. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is our interesting thoughts of week number two. Could you imagine... We're going into week three of the NFL. It's going so fast. How how, how, how is it crazy? That, is that? how is it that we're in week three and there's only only six undefeated teams left and I think only six winless teams left. So, so there's a lot of parity so far and a lot of yeah, ugliness with some other teams, especially in the AFC. We're looking at you, Broncos and Bengals. Oh, there's so much <laughs> ugliness, man. Broncos, Bengals, Raiders, yeah, and the Raiders, Indianapolis. And Colts, yeah. I mean, it, there's a lot of garbage right now, and it's not the AFC East, so that's a good sign. <laughs> no, it's not the AFC it East. It is. It really is. The it's, Dolphins it's, actually have a real offense. The Dolphins, the Jets. I mean, the Patriots finally found a win. I mean, yeah. If you're if you're a fan of any of the AFC East teams, I think all of them. Besides, I mean, Buffalo has been dominant. Yeah, we, we they've been that. the best team yeah. in the league so but, far this year. But, I mean, the Miami yeah. Dolphins haven't been far off from them either. Right. I mean, they've been really good. And 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 then the Jets and the Patriots. I mean, if this division. You know, pans out the way it is. It could be a very fun division to watch for the next couple of years because it's all young. I mean, Miami's young. Buffalo's young. The Jets are young. The Patriots are the only team that, you know, is still kind of old. Yeah, they're one of the, well, they are one of the older teams in the league, and they've had a lot of cap issues. But I think a lot of those contracts are expiring next year, so they might get young next year. We'll see. Yeah, so it's interesting. It really is. I mean, you have three of the four teams young, and they have – Hopefully, young quarterbacks that are going to be good for many, many years to come. If Zach, if Zach Wilson turns out to be the quarterback of the future for the Jets, you have four of them. Because Mac Jones, I still think, is good. They just need to give him weapons. Yes, they he do. doesn't have any. Yeah, that, I, I talk about it all the time with the Ravens. They've had trouble developing wide receivers. The Patriots know how to develop a lot of other positions well, but they have had a lot of trouble developing Horrible. wide receivers too, especially in the, like the Jets too in the second round. Like the second round, for whatever reason, for the Patriots hinders them too when it comes to drafting wide receivers. Yeah. Uh, Snook says to all the listeners on the show in celebration of National Pepperoni Pizza Day, the Worldwide Sports Radio Network is giving away a free pizza <laughs> to everyone who posts on Twitter under hashtag ban the beef or B. <laughs> a beef emoji. He's offering us to give away pepperoni pizza. No, Stug, that's on you. 
I'll, I'll, uh, I'll track your Twitter following if it really matters to you. Uh, yes. Okay. People? Congratulations. You picked the Patriots. I did too. And actually, I wasn't far off on the score. I said 16 to 13. It turned out to be 17 to 14. I actually 14. picked Pittsburgh. You did pick game. Pittsburgh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then Carl complaining about the Bears. Play calling. Fourth and inches on the goal line, and you go shotgun. Yes, that was definitely a weird call for an inside run. Now, if they were doing an outside run, yeah, that's fine to go shotgun and try to do the motion with the play action type like that. But inside, yeah, if you're going to do an inside run, yeah, definitely made no sense to go shotgun. Just go QB sneak. In that case, you're going to run with fields or, I don't know, maybe implement one of your six tight ends on the roster to run it in. <laughs> hey, who knows? Maybe even put a defensive tackle. Go uh, go 30 years in the future, William Refrigerator Perry. There you go. Uh, it's going to be fun. Uh, this is uh, Tomorrow we'll get into week three. Who do we have on tomorrow? Tomorrow at 9.30, uh, a lot of Giants fans will know him. Uh, he was formerly with SNY, now with Fox Sports. Uh, Ralph Facciano, Fox Sports NFC East uh, reporter, was formerly with the Giants as their insider on SNY. Uh, he's the only guest that is known, confirmed. Yeah. Yep, He's the only one that's known, confirmed at the moment. We might have a second one. We'll see, but I'm waiting on some responses. There you go. But... Yes, Ralph, uh, for all the Giants fans that are listening, he was their main insider. Did talk a little Jets later on, but now he's with Fox. NFC East guy. So and they have two head-to-head games this week. Giants play the Cowboys. Eagle plays, Eagles play the Commander. So it's fitting. How wonderful. Yes. <laughs> uh, Mr. Sal joining us tomorrow. Ralph. Ralph Vecchiano. I'm, I'm sorry. Ralph. Sal. Ralph. <laughs> Anyways, uh, thank you to former Orioles, Blue Jays, and Yankees pitcher Josh Towers for joining us. He was fantastic. Um, Fox Charlotte Sports live host and reporter, uh, Will Kunkel. He was fantastic as well. Thank you. All the fans that tune into us and listen to us and deal with us for three hours. We really appreciate you guys. Uh, Carl says one more thing. Speedy, who does an outside run on fourth and inches from the goal line? No. Well, Cliff Kingsbury does. Just Kyler Murray will allow them to get away with it. Mm. Uh, Justin Fields, and I, I love Justin Fields. And I understand how stressed out and frustrated he is. And I'm sure he doesn't like when the fans are booing him. But to do and say the things that you said at the end of the game really makes you look like a sore loser. And and to take a shot at the fans the way you did, you're going to suffer the consequences. As well as Robert Sala would have if he didn't come back and beat the Browns this week. Mm-hmm. So Robert Sala shut the fans up. He's got to continue doing it. You know, you, you're a quarterback. you got to go out there and shut everybody up by your play, and you didn't do it, and you looked bad on national TV on Sunday Night Football. One improbable comeback could save your season if you're the Jets. We'll save, but as of right now, it's just an improbable comeback, and naturally it's the Browns who are the ones that fall apart. Who's the last time that happened? The Browns also played well, in 2001. Carl says, so. what fans were booing him? Hey, listen to the fourth Listen to the fourth quarter. Yeah, uh, they were booing him. Yeah. I watched the game. I watched the last, what was it, five minutes of the game, and they were down, and he had the ball, and he he was getting booze. Yeah. So, uh, so we'll see. Yeah. I'm surprised that Fields would have done that. He's not normally that No, he's guy. A, usually the quiet guy. That's right, yeah. Usually the quiet guy, but um, I, he apologized to the fans. Uh, he, he didn't mean that. I, yes, the game was, but the, I'm talking, Carl, I'm not talking about the Green Bay fans. I'm talking about there were Bear fans at the game. Did you watch the yes, game? It's a rivalry game. There's going to be, there's Green Bay fans in Chicago when they go to Soldier Field. There, so were, bear, the kind of there were Bear fans at the it's game. the oldest rivalry oh. in the NFL. And they were booing. Um, if you want me to show you, I, there's pictures on social media. Mm. So they were booing. They had thumbs down. So... 
whatever. I don't care if it was in Green Bay. I don't care if it was in Chicago. I mean, what he said was disrespectful, and I'll, we'll talk about it more tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's not his personality to do something like that. I please show me. I'll I'll, I'll send it to you, Carl. Um, it's not his personality to do something like that, but you know, it is what it is. Fans did boo him. Yes. Anyways, Carl, listen to the show tomorrow. We'll be on at 9 o'clock tomorrow. I'm not going to sit here and argue about this. Um, but uh, I'll, uh, we'll talk about it tomorrow. I really appreciate you, Carl, as always. The fans. Um, yeah, great show. Really was. Um, we'll be back tomorrow. Good night. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.